ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast. Sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. Whether you're chasing bugles over the next ridge, sitting a stand out east, this is about passion, pursuing our dreams of field, our lifestyle, the betterment of self and community, the enlightenment that comes from those moments spent in God's creation. Through these conversations, I hope you find insight, inspiration, education, and motivation to push beyond your limits. All right, we were we were I don't know somewhere in seven to ten minutes of uh, <laughs> not too in depth, but we were getting there, so it was like hit the red button. So welcome, gentlemen, Charles Whitbaum with Howl.org and my Costello semi Howl.org, but hunting ain't easy podcast. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for yeah. Uh, he just doesn't like to time. admit it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you didn't want me to admit it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I want. Depends on the day. I know it depends on the <laughs> depends on what kind of day Mike's having, whether or not mm. you want. How adjacent? How involved? I, I kind of yeah. Good. Let's let's make sure that Mike is having that kind of day because I don't want. Uh, we want to hear it, right? We want to hear it. And, and <laughs> like I was telling you both before I hit record here, you know, I listened to your to your co episode. Um, it's a two part. Yeah. And it was definitely worth the listen, but I felt like it, and I'm not saying this offensively, I felt like it mm. came up short. It was like the pit bull in Chihuahua clothing, uh, so to speak. Um, and I get I it. I did too. I thought Mike was going to be a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, Mike, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> so it was I, a great, I thought it was a great, po- I thought we recorded some really, I, th- I think the right things were said yeah. um, without like going into the mode of just trying to, stir shit up and make people angry. Right. Well, um, I mean, in that, but, but there was, but it was a little bit, little, it was a little bit, um, I don't know. Cautious. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was just, no, I don't think it was cautious. Um, I don't know. I was just aware of the, the environment that's right. out there and, and, uh, no need to make enemies, but at the same time, there's objective facts that can be called out and, People can make their own assumptions. Well, I've, make I've their, come to their own conclusions. So I've been doing that that series with with uh, Chris and Jim, and that's one of the things that I mean. I've always just said what's on my mind, right on mm-hmm. on my platform here, and that's one of the things that I've appreciated about that that right now three part series um, is the response we're getting for for just being you know in some instances kind of brutally honest, and it's 
mm-hmm. our opinions, our experiences, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know that we, I think it's time for a hard, the harder conversations and it may be time for some soft call outs if, you know, we don't want to offend people, but people are going to get offended because that's just the world we live in now. Um, so, you know, <laughs> let's, let's, uh, preface it with, we're sorry, but not sorry. Um, I think this is where, where that's going to go. Um, so yeah, you know, we're, how has taken off and caused in, in my opinion, what I've seen the higher, a higher level of activism, uh, in the last couple of years, right. Where, where people are a bit more engaged, um, and taking action and, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong. Um, it seems that people are actually starting to look into these bills, initiatives, whatever they are, and delve into being a proactive to a point, uh, because we're always on the defensive sportsman. Um, and that's, you know, there's some caveats in there. Um, so why don't you guys, I'm gonna let you guys take it away for a second with just, you know, that bit being said, and I don't want to lose, uh, where Charles was going here. So why don't you guys throw a little intro and then we'll go from there. Mike, I'll Uh, jump in. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, Mike Costello, um, sometimes podcaster, relatively new hunter, uh, been about five, six years hunting in California, lifelong resident in California and uh, podcast is hunting ain't easy because in California. Hunting ain't easy. Um, a lot of my podcast is focused on house issues. What's central to my focus and also house focus as uh, driving hunter advocacy and getting getting the average citizen hunter to know that they can be part of a movement that to start leading uh, hunting opportunity discussions and wildlife conservation discussions, not leaving it up to the quote professionals that have been doing it for years and in a lot of cases stacking up losses on our behalf. So, um, really big believer in getting people informed on how, how the process works. And then also, um, we don't need to hide in the shadows as a hunting community. We actually need to be accepted and supported by the broad non hunting community more. And so those are, those are some focal points that I like to dig into as much as I can. So I'm going to ask you a question before we get with Charles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, typically <clears throat> there's a kind of an evolution as, as a hunter, right? You get in mm-hmm. and it's about, you know, getting out there and understanding and learning. You finally, you know, level a couple, three animals. And typically at some point in there, that fourth, fifth, sixth year, that's where the lack of a better word, activism, if you will, comes in conservation minded. How, what did you see differently? And that could be years, you know, no offense, um, under your belt. Um, but what did you see differently that got you started in the conservation aspect of it so early on in your hunting career? Yeah. Uh, I have to say there's some of the Facebook groups here in California. There's just a lot of, a lot of snap reactivity to it's all the antis, it's all the antis. And they, they took this away from us. And so that was, there's kind of a baseline assumption of losses and end game is already dictated, which to me, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't see through that lens for very many things. Um, 
and being new, I was naive. <laughs> I was naive enough to not understand where, how the, all those losses, like, you know, the mountain lion hunting and hound hunting, how those losses happen here in California. I didn't understand how badly managed California's wildlife were. And I didn't really understand whose fault it was. Um, I just knew that a bunch of people standing in a circle pissing off about it doesn't really solve any problems. And so I was more of an observer and knew, I could see there's like this dynamic that was not really functional. It was a lot of people had a lot to say, but there wasn't anything ever being done. And so when, um, really when the bear hunting ban first kind of kicked off as a legislation that I just kind of said to myself, Oh hell no. Like that's now that is anti-hunting. That is not like a different opinion about conservation or a different opinion about wildlife management. That is straight up an anti-hunting attack on the, on the most accessible hunt in California. Um, and so I, I, I got involved or I saw what Charles did. Actually, I, I was more of a participant in that in terms of eating, sending letters, putting things, kind of driving social media engagement and pushing back on people that said, no, this is a lost cause already. Like it's gone. Consider it gone. Like, no, nah, it's not gone yet. Like we can do this. And so myself, Charles, and, and literally thousands of other people took that approach. Like, no, it's not gone yet. And we can fight for this. And then, um, you know, there was success there in turning that back. Uh, and then later in the year, later in the same year, I decided I want to do a podcast <laughs> and I wanted to focus on bringing people besides California, honey, bringing people into understand the process, like understand the difference between legislation and ballot box and fishing game commission regulations, you know, and it, I, it kind of exposed me to the idea that, there's an arena where a game is played or there's three arenas where games are played. And we just like to sit outside with our beer and bitch about the refs. Right. You know, it's like, that's all we do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and we think there's somebody in the arena playing for us. Sometimes there is, sometimes there's not. Um, but we don't really know. We're not really participating with those people. And so I just kind of took the, the, the analogy or the metaphor, you know, metaphors that, um, we need to go in the arena and learn, learn the game. We may not like the rules, but we still got to play. Like we may not like the refs. We may not like the other opponent. They might play dirty, but we still have to play the game. We still have to go in and, um, start stacking, you know, some first downs, use football. We got to stack some first downs before we even ha win any games. We got to win some games before you could win a series, a season. Um, so I just kind of took that approach and literally with the podcast just started putting together opportunities for people to get together just like this on a zoom call and learn about the commission, how it worked. And I said the first kind of coaching session I did is like, let's just get together and go to the commission and say, we're hunters. We're here in California. We believe in what you do. We understand what you do. We're here to participate and that's it. So literally the first time, a group of people I pulled together to go to the commission. Um, there was no, there was nothing on the, on the agenda that was in contest. There was nothing on the agenda that was at issue. And they had like 10 or 15 hunters come in and speak, you know, relatively well. And they're like, ah, welcome. They're like, welcome, come on in, sit down, join us. Thank you for being here. It was very positive. Um, and then I'll just go on for another minute as I was trying to do that to get people involved, 
I don't know how Charlie and I met. I mean, just somebody said, you got to talk to Charlie or he's doing this thing that you want to do. Cause I, and I asked him, I said, it would be great if we could get, have like a way to reward a hunter for showing up at the commission. Like how do, how can we get them like a, a $10 Bass Pro Shops gift card? And he's like, I'm working on that. <laughs> it's like, that's the idea that he was working on is how to gamify or create a portal where people could learn about these issues, participate, get some brownie points for it. Um, and it's like, okay, that's rad. Like you're building this portal, this tool. And this is exactly what I'm trying to figure out is how do we get people involved? Um, and so then we just, you know, a lot of conversations later, he, he created Howl and I've just been continuing to, to get engaged on the issues that kind of spike my blood pressure and, um, <laughs> you know, mostly local, mostly local to California. How's heck how's international now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, yeah, you did. You did. And that, all right. that gives, gives the folks some insight. All right, Charles, fire away. If they don't know, then we'll just remind them real quick. <laughs> um, I'm Charles, uh, Whitwam, uh, president founder of Howl. Um, I don't know. What do you want me to talk about Howl? Or, yeah, let's just talk about Hall. No, no, uh, no, 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 no. Screw that. Because because there's a there was a personal vendetta. <laughs> you were tired. Oh. You were you were absolutely pissed off and tired and said, I gotta do something. And and it didn't start with Howl. That started what was that, five years ago now with the pig thing? And that's kind of piggy piggy. Yeah. Twenty eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, man, time flies. And that's oh, you really, only talk about that. Yeah. I just want, you know, give them the personal background and then we'll get into the rest of it. So I've been hunting all my life. I grew up in Michigan. It's it's the m most important thing to me besides, of course, you know, family. Right. But I mean, it's, it's what I think about all the time. It's my dad did it. I have an insane connection to it. I don't know. It's it's the thing I'm also probably the best at. So um, it's a big part of my life. But you fill um, a lot of tags. Yeah, I hunt a lot too, though. So yeah, <laughs> I, I fill a lot of tags, but but I hunt a lot. Screw you, Matt Ranella. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're gonna be on that podcast. Um, so there was a, an issue as far what as like this is Mike off. Let's get yeah, it. <laughs> as, as far as issues regarding hunting and you know, legislatively or commission based or, or whatever. It was 2018. There was a wild pig bill that was not really that bad, but it had something inserted in it that, um, was actually going to take away high fence hunting, which was strange. It was like a pro hunting bill, but we're going to take away high fence hunting of pigs. Now, not to get in the weeds of that, but those high fence pigs, those are livestock that are imported in from out of state. Most of the time comes from Canada they're literally the same animals. They look a little different, but they're the same animals as that a farmer would bring in as livestock for slaughter. Mm -hmm. So um, I questioned why so many hunting organizations were pro this bill. And um, there was a little something that came up where the, that paragraph that I had a problem with was written by, at the time, a humane society uh, ad lobbyist. So I 
kind of uncovered that and then it became a big deal. Uh, so I just learned some things. It was, it was, it was fun to be involved in that. Right. And then that build was killed. Um, and I think in large part because of that, because of that exposure, you understate the hell out of that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you pulled, you pulled back the covers on something that, mm-hmm. that a lot of professionals should have, should have oh, and there was, out, yeah. been on top of. Yeah. And there was certainly hunting organizations that were in support of it until they found that out, which I, I sometimes, let me, since we're talking shit on this podcast, I can't, <laughs> I can't prove this. I don't know this. I just have theories. There's politics that are played with everything. And I'm a little surprised. I'm not sure if I buy that. Not everybody knew that. Mm-hmm. What I do buy is it probably wasn't going to get uncovered. Um, because for the most part, the bill was good. And the only people that were going to suffer were really just a few people in California business-wise. Um, makes a good headline, though. It makes a good one, headline. For one side of the, one side yeah. of the deal. But it was it, my understanding of it, and I say this because in order for the Humane Society to not push back on the bill, for them to remain neutral, they needed to get a little. So I start putting the pieces of the puzzle together. I'm like, there's no way everyone didn't know about this. Right. They just didn't think it was going to get uncovered. I, that's, that's just me. Being Sherlock Holmes, right? Right. <laughs> so, like, you, I, I don't like you think there's there's a possibility, and when you look at it this way, that there was a trade. There's like, we'll we'll give you this little bit of, we'll give you this chunk of ourselves as your win, but you're not going to go after us for this part of it. I would not be surprised. Yeah, it, I have. I that's just you know, politics. I don't know that. I don't know that, but I know it's it's politics and it's California and sure. the way hunting is treated in California is. We got to get what we can take. And so to, so to clean that a little bit, if I remember correctly, when the definition, what was scary about it, the definition of air quote high fence was as simple as a white picket fence, three strand barbed wire that surrounds how many thousands, millions of acres of, of private accessible private land hunting. So at the time (laughs) in that bill, yes, there could have been more to that. And when you know that the authors of that section of the bill came from the Humane Society, well, they're pretty smart people. Yeah, um, yeah they could possibly use the language, the legal language in a bill that gets passed to make it even worse than what it was. Unsure, but we're not going to trust the Humane Society no. when they have a part in a hunting bill, which is crazy, right? right. That's crazy. Especially something fences and well defined. Fence isn't well defined or not defined at all. Right. Yeah. That's the and then California is California's a kind of a right to sue state. Basically, California writes a lot of laws where it takes the consumer or the consumer advocate, the citizen advocate can file lawsuits. And so as soon as that that bill, if that goes into law, fence is poorly defined. You've got HSUS and anybody else suing somebody because there's a wire, a single strand that goes around what, like you said, thousands of acres. They can say, Oh, this is a fence. This is a fence property. You're hunting. Right. It's messy. Yep. Really messy. That's, that's what originally got me kind of engaged in the whole thing. Um, and then there was the bear bill. That was the big breakthrough as far as 
let's see what grassroots hunters can do, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then, you know, just that cover that pig bill came back written by a different author written a little better. Um, obviously now, and it had the same language with the high fence stuff. Um, that bill has passed. However, the only thing that really passed is that you'll be able to buy a pig validation now and just like a duck stamp and you can kill as many pigs as you want. All the other stuff that was in it that was kind of going to give the department a hard time as far as, you know, regulating night hunting and, and all that stuff, that's not in that bill anymore. And then as far as high fence operations, um, it was not as bad as it could have been. But basically, if you have one in existence, you're grandfathered in and you can keep it. Is so, um, it's still hard to enforce. I, I mean, I if have, I've got private life, if I've got livestock on my property, it's livestock. And if you, guy, if you want to come over and, and shoot one of my livestock, you're not hunting. It was very, very hard to get, I think the professionals to really take issue with this. Um, because it's still, we're talking about wild pigs and I brought this up to the department and it's like, they don't get it. You guys are talking about wild pigs, but in this bill, but when you talk about these high fence operations, it's already, it's already illegal. Okay. To take a wild pig and put it behind a fence. We already have a law for that. Okay. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about people that import pigs and basically instead of slaughtering them and bring them to the grocery store, they're like, Hey, we let them run wild on 2000 acres or whatever else. You can come in and shoot them. You slaughter them. You don't need a tag for it. It's not wild game. It is literally livestock. So how do we have a, why are we talking about a game species, but then bringing in livestock? So it's the same as a cow. It just. Yeah. Legally, inoculations and the whole nine in that the whole thing. They're yeah. vaccinated and all that when they come across the border. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of a lot of crap that I knew a lot about that. It seemed like nobody else did. <laughs> it was really hard to, uh, to kind of relay that to people that, that, that messaging there. So, um, the other thing about the bill is that wild pigs will no longer be a game animal. It's going to be an exotic, a big game animal. It's going to be an exotic game species. We don't know the definitions of what that will mean anymore, um, except, and this is a great opportunity for us to, to, to add to it. But what we do know is youth, as long as you have your hunter safety, because it's not a big game animal anymore, you can hunt wild pigs. You're, if you're eight years old and you pass your hunter safety course, you can go hunt wild pigs. So that's cool. Yeah, that is really but, cool. But all of these changes had something to do with um, the engagement of of hunters and of the organizations that did um, meet with the uh, Senator Dodds, I think it is, of, of yeah. Napa. Um, all of those changes happened because of engagement, 100%, because this bill is nowhere close to what it originally was. Yeah. So it got amended to be pretty hunter friendly for the most part. I have some issue with the livestock thing, but. And the, the hunter engagement, the hunter engagement came from citizen activists that were paying attention, came from Howell. It, it was not pulled via legacy orgs. Like we, like Charles saw what was going on here and started probing. And then we started getting letters to the electeds that were involved, the Dodd's office, the committees that was on, and then also showing our engagement to the lobbyists that were involved. 
I mean, this is this this very much to the to the degree that this bill was morphed into something that was mostly palatable. Um, there was a ton of hunter engagement that drove that, and there was situations where there was uh, community orgs in Napa Valley. Figure you get thirty businesses in Napa Valley together. What you know, they're all probably winemakers. So a lot, a lot of wine industry folks were being told, oh, this is great. And then, you know, a couple of people like, yeah, maybe not. Let's look at this and consider this. Like, oh, wait, this is different. And so there's just a lot of um, aha moments along the way that wouldn't, I don't think, they wouldn't have happened without individual hunters taking a part in looking at this, analyzing it, and then asking questions and getting involved. Yeah, it's kind of a BS bill. There really, if... There was a lot of repeats of things that were already law yeah. to make it sound like it was something. The biggest impact, if it had passed as originally um, uh, written, would have been taking all those guys out of business. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and that actually would have been the biggest impact. The rest of the stuff was like, well, you already, you can already get a depredation permit. Uh, you know, and I'll, I think a lot of the people who author these bills, they don't even know what the hell they're talking about. Right. And no one cares the look. Right. Yeah. So the the headline for hunters on it was you can hunt pigs, you can buy, you pay for basically one, you know, one permit. It's like getting a duck stamp. You pay for your permit to kill pigs and you can kill as many as you want instead of individual tags. I was all for it. When I heard it, I was like, oh, this is bitching. Right. So it's always, but then it's like, well, that's the bait. Like, what's right? (laughs) Yeah. Where's the trap? And there was, there was some stuff in there that was a bit of a trap. Um, and then from a conservation standpoint, talking about hunting as conservation, um, had that bill gone through, it would have significant as, as written initially, it would have significantly stripped funding away from the big game management account, which is where our tag sales go. Because instead of buying three, you know, Yeah. I mean, how many people actually, we all buy one tag, right? I've never hunted pigs. I still buy my tag. We all buy one tag. There's a few people out there that are slayers and they buy multiple tags. That's a small group of people. Um, But ultimately that was going to remove funding from big game management and habitat work. Yeah. And that's, and that's an issue. Like we need to be, we need to be thoughtful about that. That's cool. Oh, I can, I can ride for free. It's like, yeah, yeah, you're riding for free, but what, but what happens to the car <laughs> now that we're all riding for free? Right. And so, you know, that, that was an aspect that we wanted to make sure was also addressed where, no, maybe $15 isn't the right price for this one-time payment. Maybe it should be 40, you know, hundred bucks, you know, maybe hundred bucks. Yeah, a year. Just let, let's make it something that right. we're not completely, you know, there was going to be 15. Now it's, it's 25. So yeah. it at least equals what one, one tag, tag was the first be. tag. So yeah. basically, we all pay for our first tag still. If you're yeah. a real killer, you can get multiple pigs for that one tag. Yeah. There, there seems to be a disconnect with that, right? If Mike just said it. <laughs> if hunting is conservation, <laughs> we, we, we would think that we would be willing to say, you know what? Let's up the ante on that and make sure that we're not – doing a detriment by wanting, you know, by wanting that, that, you know, permit instead of a tag. Yeah. And we're willing as sportsmen to pay $35, sure. $45, right. And up the ante and take a proactive, you know, approach to it. 
so I'm going to get fired on. Supposedly, that's what we did with Pittman-Robertson, right? The sportsman said, we're going to yeah. give this, right? Eh, somebody was in front of us and said, hey, do you guys want to do this? My only point there. But, you know, a proactive approach in that, in mm -hmm. my opinion, would be, hey, stepping up to the plate. Um, all right. Charles, are you are you good? I don't want to. I didn't want to interrupt that because we're we're going to start. Going yeah, on. no, okay. that that pig thing gets in the weeds. It's pretty boring. I think it bores people out because it's just there's so much crap in it, and it's like <laughs> I think it's important no one, that you, know, you brought it up and and the talking points that come out of that, so we can digest that stuff and look at it. And I think that's one of the issues that I've had, and not so much with the approach that Howl is, but the, across the board, we don't. We don't get into the weeds as sportsmen. It it seems like our attitude is we want someone else to do the heavy work. Yeah. That medium level work. And we just we want all the effing light work because we just want to get out on the mountain. Right. And and there's things that come across that I agree with, then there's things where I have to question it, but it's like, people don't want to question anything. They want to, you know, just, Oh, you're saying do it. Let's not saying how, but yeah. you know, X, yeah. X org says do it. That's what I'm going to do with no research, not knowing that what deals were made to get to that point. I, I think our attitude mm -hmm. as sportsmen, it just, you, you just start to wad up after so many years. Mike's probably the freshest look on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably why it's you know the there's an old guard in california that is committed to past losses like that's all they can talk about and you bring up like oh hey we're gonna you know this is gonna happen and we're gonna beat this bill or we're gonna we're gonna beat fight back this regulation or we're gonna move something forward like we're gonna make an advancement like hey there's gonna be more elk tags ah fuck that no there won't it's like Right. No, there will. There's actually going to be more because We're going to get it done. It's going to happen. The data is there. The science is there. The money's there. Like we'll get it done. You know. And then and then and then the, the cool thing is, in the last three years, we've had obviously big attacks. You know, the bear attack, the bear attack twice. Beat that back. To two different two different arenas. You know, there are going to be more elk tags in California. It's happening. 25, 30% increase. I hope so. Um, I it's, paid it's a for drop that in, damn lifestyle or the lifetime license. When I yeah, left, I had like yeah. 17 a, freaking well, points. Bro. We're going to get, we're going <laughs> to, and it's just, it's just the beginning. But those yeah. voices in the last two years, the voices that have been so invested in always losing are starting to quiet up. They're not jumping in on everything saying, oh, you're going to lose or this is effed up. And some of those voices are trying to be like, hey, there's a chance the tides the tides turning like there's actually mm -hmm. a commission that'll listen to us and so it takes it takes time and how how you know, how much time do we have with the onslaught to not change that attitude because again going back to what I was saying it, it's it's really been the sportsman's attitude or arrogance if you will. That oh this is this is our right to do this right and and then you start taking the losses and then no one wants to be active and and how in my opinion has changed that and I think it was so strong because there was a vested interest in what was happening in California for Charles and a vested interest in you know with other hunters there and then just those small wins 
and I call them small because we know they are. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is what kind of blossomed it. And I think people, yes, people's eyes are starting to open, but is the sportsman's attitude in the right place to really make this a charge for the end zone since you used the football analogy? Because a lot of times what we do is – we won the bear fight once, right? We're on the yeah. 20 yard line. Everybody's celebrating. And it's the first freaking corner seven quarter, seven minutes in. Now we're four right. on the four yard line and everybody's jumping up and down. Like they just won the super bowl. And it's like, Whoa, settle sure. back boys. This is decades long, right? We got two small yeah. victories. How do we yeah. progress that and change attitudes and change mindsets to really start that charge? Mm-hmm. No, it was you're, probably you're 38 exactly right. victories last year. How many? How many? How many, how many nods to a win? Did you, I mean Colorado? How many? No, no, I'm saying were, I was, was just saying, and I was no, it's not a, it's no, not I a know. how I track just, record, but it was a California yeah, yeah. analogy. Um, no, and it's just what yeah, I've seen. Yeah, no, the the game is certainly not over with. Um, that was a that was a win. You know, it's like the the Republic fighting the Empire. Yeah. Right. You know, like, oh, but oh crap. And then they got those big ships out there and yep. we don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. We're we're way we're way behind. Okay. So generationally behind. I, yes. Yeah. Like I don't multiple generations. I don't know. And in some ways I don't care. Like I don't know what was successful before, what was going on before, how people made money before, how organizations worked. Obviously it worked to some extent. Because this will be we do, I mean, we're starting off, you know, let's just say a hundred years ago, not many people were against hunting. So quite a bit easier. Um, we do have a lot of opportunity. We do have a lot of hunting opportunity. So, and those things were in place for a long time. And probably these organizations were more about, I don't know, maybe they're more about community or get togethers or whatever, and they weren't worried about losing things. And then when the activists, they were never activists though. When the activists finally came along in, I don't know, the 70s or whatever, um, and they started stirring emotions and, and, and working with people that hunters didn't work with, because hunters just talk to hunters. We're in a bubble all the time. Mm-hmm. But I mean, kind of the non-hunting public, the movie stars, the whatever. We, we like to separate ourselves and act like we're not the same. Well, that's when we started losing some things. Cause there's no activists. We don't have that bleeding heart kind of mentality or blood running through, through us. Right. Um, so all I do is I look at today what's happening and I'll, you can just put it on a chart, you know, and say, well, if this continues for 50 years, we're not going to have a whole lot of hunting left. And why is that happening? Who are the agents of change and what is it that they are doing? Well, they're building a community. They're outreaching to anybody that'll listen to the mainstream public. You'll see them on TV, national television. You'll see them on billboards or whatever. They will, when there's a meeting on, there was a meeting today in Colorado over wolves. Last night, they got a bar and said, hey, we're going to buy your beer. So it's kind of like a pint night, but with a purpose. It's like, no, nothing against, I don't know if those pint nights have a purpose, but hear me out here. None. Um, <laughs> invite, invite you to a bar in Gunnison, Colorado. Learn what we have to say about what the future of wolves, our idea for the future of wolves are in Colorado. Right. We'll buy you beer. 
And then we'll talk about the commission meeting tomorrow and tell you exactly what to say and how to say it and all that. So when that was sent to me, I said, is there any hunting organizations in Colorado doing that? No. Okay. Well, those are the things we need to do. We need to build community. And I get it that hunters are more of an individualist. You know, we're more kind of libertarian. We're kind of more, um, you know, you do you. We, I'll leave you alone. Just leave me alone. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I get that. But we need to look around. We got to start stirring the pot because we are losing the battle. Current. I mean, you know, we're losing the battle when you look ahead because again, we have all kinds of hunting opportunity, right? But if we if we stick around and don't do anything for another fifty years, it's definitely going to be gone. Yeah. You know, so we have to be activists, whether you like it or not. So with Howl, I'm just trying to make that as seamless and easy as possible. Now, giving people a way to get involved. Now that can be. The easiest way to get involved, which is clicking a button and sending an email. Or it can be actually coming to commission meetings and being involved and giving testimony and sounding intelligent, being intelligent, representing yourselves well, not looking like an idiot like the Anna hunters do when they come to the commission meetings. We've been really successful at doing that. We're in the thousands of people over three different states that have been involved in commission meetings. That's huge. So that is a win. We are getting people involved and it's only growing. With the email thing, for people who do say that doesn't work, you're right. That's why I started Howl. Because the whole system of sending a form letter, but then you got to fill out something that basically sends it to your legislator, your local legislator, who has nothing to do with that bill, probably. Like what? What there's, is this? There's some issues. Or it's a regulation. There. It's in the yeah. commission and you're emailing your electeds yeah. or something that's in the commission. It's like, like, what is this? And that might be hard for people to understand, but the mechanism of delivery that has existed in the past, the way it was set up, it's it, it wasn't very impactful. It's not very efficient. Um, there's a better way to do it. And that was what I was mainly focusing with focusing on with Howell is I think there's a better way to do it. I think there's a better way to deliver these messages to make them not form letters. It's just for you, the hunter, here's a really easy way to get involved and I'm going to make sure it gets delivered to the right people. And that's why our email system, our whole action center is completely different than anybody else's. And you might've noticed it's also why the other orgs are updating their action centers. And I can guarantee you, I mean, if you've seen the changes in engagement on social media and other orgs and what they're doing and the steps that they're taking, that's happened because we started a tidal wave of activists, hunters who actually want to be activists. And they're like, well, shoot, we need to get on that train. Why are they changing their action centers to slightly improved? It's, It's not, ours is pretty proprietary and I'm a little ahead on... I won't even really talk about, like, I'll talk about it a little bit, but I won't really talk about what's really shouldn't going on. shouldn't talk about it at all. I probably shouldn't <laughs> talk about it From a technological basis, yeah, it's better. It's It's got a stronger mechanism that's more yeah. refined to do what needs to be done, and you put yeah. a lot of money into it. And it's funny, I'm hearing people. Your money. I'm hearing people, <laughs> this Canada thing, right? I mean, we're reaching uh, members of parliament 
and the prime minister, the one prime minister, not many members, not many prime ministers. I said that yesterday on a video and I'm like, what am I talking about? Um, but we're reaching um, them in Canada. And one of the complaints I'm getting is, hey, I'm getting back a bunch of um, auto replies. And I'm like, yeah, you probably never got that before because it was never going anywhere before, you know, but read the auto replies and read what they say. A lot of them are. Um, hey, where are you from? Can you let us know? And then a lot of them are, we get a lot of messages, we'll get back to you later, you know, and some of them are just canned, whatever. In the last couple of days, and I just got off a podcast an hour ago, um, that they're, um, I don't know if it's called legislator or whatever, but they're parliament or something. They've been mm -hmm. off and they're coming back into work now officially. I'm like, oh, that's why I'm getting, I'm getting emails from Canadian members of parliament that say, here's my stance on C21. And like, we're really worried about the tribal communities. We're really worried about hunters. This whole thing came up on us on the 11th hour. We do not agree with this amendment at all. And these are, this is the liberal party. This is the democratic party. And this is the, the, the block of Quebec that, that is saying this. I'm like, wow, this is, this is great. You know? And they're interacting with me in the States because my um, argument to them was I want to come to Canada and hunt, but I'm a little worried about this now. What the hell gun am I going to bring? Can I bring guns? You know what I mean? This is, what's going on here? And they're so anyway, our our action center is reaching the people, the right people, um, which is just every day. It's a victory when I see that. Like somebody today, they're like, "Hey, um, I got an auto reply that said this lady changed her email address." Um, I'm like, oh, "All right, I need to go in and fix it on the back end." But what that meant to me is your email got to her. Mm -hmm. Right. And then she emailed you back, you know? So, but besides emails, if you want to call them, we make that, when I do set up that, we make that really easy for you to call them. Um, if I had the time and I can set up the Twitter thing, you can literally, all you need is a Twitter account and you push a freaking button and it, does all the stuff for you. It tags everybody, hashtag, whatever, all the Twitter stuff. It does that. If you want to fax them, <laughs> we have that set up. Now, I'm not saying that this is the answer. This isn't solving all of the problems. It's an addition to everything else that is going on. It's us being louder. It's, you know, however many hunters and anglers and sportsmen are out there, let's first, how about we try being heard to whatever level you want to bring it to? Let's put that pressure on them. The 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 squeaky wheel gets the grease. It's and not just being louder though. But like it's we, not just we, being louder, we, but it's but how we show up. How it's we how we show up because there's so much in in the in the in the podcast that you're doing, in the in the, the information that's on the website, in the in the social media, like the dynamic now, people, hunters, the ones that are showing up, and there's more today than there were two years ago, are getting informed. And they're coming into these these meetings. They're showing up in meetings. Like we're getting we're getting more hunters in person, and on and then also on online through you know remote through Zoom. We're getting dozens to fifties to hundreds of hunters showing up to these calls with the commissions in ways that 
that we we show up well and people come in like this is valuable to me here's why this is what i do this is what i'm into i believe in the conservation side of it. i believe in you know you know i hunt bears for to to protect calves or, or protect calves and fawns others are like i i, I hunt bears incidentally but i want to have that tag in my pocket so that i have the opportunity if it presents itself to me i hunt the other person i hunt bears for meat i hunt bears in, you know intentionally for meat and so these commissioners are hearing and the testimony in Colorado on the mountain lion issue, like that committee heard testimony too. Hunters are showing up in ways that they haven't shown up before. We're not showing up just to be loud. Yeah. We're not all saying the same thing. We're not all saying, this is my right, you know, or, That's, yeah. you, you, know, yeah. you know, we're not coming in with pitchforks and fire, um, which I think, no, we're and not I coming with pitch, pitch force and fire. Yeah, no, you're, yeah. you're, you're and right I think on that's, that. And, that. and that's where when we do show up like that, people are hearing something. They were told that they, when we show up, it's going to be a, a shit show. Yeah. When we when hunters show up, it's going to be chaotic and messy. And we're showing up, and it's, it's the exact opposite. And really, it's the anti-hunters that are, like, losing their cookies, like having a really hard time keeping themselves together, making themselves look like assholes. And so – this is what, you know, I got the sense quite a bit a year and two, year or two ago, and I still do sometimes, that the, the legacy orgs and the legacy system, I say legacy because it's been there for a long time, and I think it maybe it, it needs to update. I kind of get this sense of like, sit down, shut up, and let us do our work. Yeah. And well, I'm like, I've been told that. That's, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's straight that's up. Truth. Like it's a fact we, we have professionals <laughs> that do this. We have a lobbyist that does this. I'm like, cool. How's the score sheet looking like with, the, with your system <laughs> and your lobbyists? Like, like t- let's talk about that. And so like, and they do, and there's something that they do probably that's valuable, but it's not sit down shut up. Let us do our work anymore. It's like, you do your thing that you're really good at that I can't do. I can't walk into the Capitol and talk to these people the way you can. You have that access. Um, but there's things that, that I and, and we as a community can do that you're not doing. And that's where the power is. And, and what pisses me off is why are the legacy orgs not sending me the advocacy action alert themselves? Why aren't the orgs that have 10,000 members in California not saying, hey, this WRC meeting's come up. Here's what we believe in. Here's what's important. Go be a part of it. Yeah. Like that's like well, we're, you know, that's where. That's a, that's a matter that's of control. Power. Yeah, that's but, control. Yeah, they where, don't want us to steal their members. You know, where is the legacy ego, org? Where is the legacy org? And I've been a member of several polling the membership as to what's important to them right. in their particular the state. survey? I've never seen a do survey. This little, do this little survey, monkey. Tell us what's important right. to you. Never seen it. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Never seen it. So so to me, that's what pisses me off is I'm not – they get to represent as though through one you know, one or two lobbies, they represent as though they speak for the hunting community. They don't. There's, it's their interest. If they speak. Right. Their and it, it's if. And a lot of times, most of the time, they don't speak – until after the action. They do the after action report. Hey, we won, work behind the scenes, you know, or we lost, hunters didn't show up. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. you know, I did hear that work behind the scene thing on the the wiener bill, the bear mm-hmm. bill, and I'm like, um, 
you did. You worked behind the scene. Like that's yeah. Sorry. Well, no, everybody jumped on that damn bandwagon. Everybody oh and their mama jumped on that bandwagon, and I called bullshit because I was like, I know who being there in the state. I know who the frontline fighters were, and yeah. you sons of bitches were nowhere to be found. But then you wanted to gleam some amount of credit, whatever that was, and I was like, they I'm done. Even, I'm done with this bullshit. Time. They didn't, they didn't have time. time. They no, didn't have. They didn't. They didn't even have a statement on social media until it was a week long fight. Right? It was a very fast battle. After the fact, and it, they didn't have anything on social media until like Thursday. And every hunter that got involved was on top of this. Charles had Change.org spun up in twelve hours. Yep. You know, and so oh, it's Thursday. The fight's almost over. We're coming in hard with our policy statements. Like, ah, welcome. Like, I'm sorry you took so long to, like you know, come up but, with an opinion, but change. And I, I do want to say like, you know, I know that those orgs and, and those lobbyists and people, they do things and I'm not asking them to change. I'm adding, I'm asking them to add, do more, what it is that we are doing, um, yeah. to the, to the war machine, you know what I mean? To the chest. But I think what's happened is they probably got, I bet a lot of people have been burned. I bet a lot of people have tried a lot of things and it hasn't worked. And so we're like the new kids on the block and people are like, but Mike said, people it. still ask me, they're like, Hey, the form letter thing, how did, why does that? And I'm like, well, it's because we're not a form letter. Like, let me explain it to you. So I have proof because I've seen the wins and I've seen direct emails from people involved on the other side. And I've, let me give you some examples. That's better. Um, Horse advocates have been trying to keep feral horses in the deserts of Arizona for a really long time. And they have been the loudest people and they've contacted all the right people. And whenever an issue comes up, they're there putting on the pressure. I worked directly this year with one of the guys who has been trying to get the feral horses off the landscape because they're absolutely decimating landscape, the, the habitat. We did a few actions with that, and he's close to the U.S. Forest Service. Everybody that's been involved for decades, decades. And they said, we've never seen anything like this. We don't know where it's coming from. They don't know what's coming from Howell, because Howell's not mentioned anywhere. We're just giving you the ability to reach the right people with the right messages. We make sure it's delivered. The U.S. Forest Service, and this guy who's been doing this for decades, he's like, this is what I've been trying to get. I've, I've been trying to figure this out and you figured it out. I haven't been able to figure this out. The, the, the Georgia DNR commissioner, DNR commissioner is, I think that's, I think that's his title. We absolutely ripped Georgia apart last year <laughs> with all these bills, whether it's a pro or con thing, you know what I mean? But they got hundreds of thousands of interaction from hunters and they're standing there in Senate saying, What's going on? Where'd all these hunters come from? They're making jokes. How'd you guys' email boxes look? It's not all the same <laughs> stuff. And they're addressing it. And they appreciate it. That guy who's been around, probably he's going to retire soon. He's been doing this for 30 some odd years. I've never seen anything like this. This is what he's... No, no, no. Wait, let me correct myself. I have seen this. And it's always been from the other from side. From the antis. Yeah. Yeah. From the anti-hunters. So 
so much of what I'm doing is just I've learned what the anti hunters are good at and mirror that. Mirrored that. Yes, and I feel like now we actually have a more robust system, but where we're lacking is, and it, it has built. I mean, I can't complain because <laughs> I can't expect so much in a year, but um, we outnumber the anti hunters by far. We have more money than them. You know, we could have more money than them, and our industry does, but more of them. Are in, a greater percentage of them are more engaged than we are. Right. We're just not engaged. And we care there. because we're personally involved. A lot of people, yeah. oh, they, they see the picture, they see the headline, they're like, oh, yeah, I'll send my $35, I'll send my $50. You know, I, yeah, I, I would vote that way if it came up. They're passively engaged in whatever the, the, the hot topic is that the anti hunting community puts in front of them in that moment. They don't live a life of protecting bear cubs well you don't, have to, you don't have to protect bear cubs because we don't we don't we protect bear cubs as much as anybody they don't they don't have to live that life they can just be in that mode for a moment and send their money we live this like we do this like we go out into the woods we actually spend way more time in front of critters than any of the anti hunters do you know, it's like most of them, I think probably almost all their funding comes from West Coast and East Coast urban urban centers. You know, how much are they really going out into the woods to see these animals? They see pictures digitally and they're like, oh, I love that. I love that it's there. It's like we love that it's there and we go see it. We go see it year round. We go see it when we're not even hunting. There's not a tag in the pocket. It's fascinating to us at all levels all the time and we hunt it. So we're personally vested far more than the anti-hunting orgs are outside once you get outside of that kernel that let that hot core of anti-hunting orgs where they have policy decisions and lobbyists and attorneys to fund there's young blood though coming into these organizations and they understand what we're mm -hmm. doing and they want to be involved they get it you know yeah. they they you know on one hand they'll go to a banquet and they're like ever heard of howl no what's that well, they're talking to, and no offense, they're talking to 65-year-old dudes. They're not on Instagram. And, well, how do I reach these guys? You know, that's that's another uh, roadblock. But yeah, there's new guys coming in, and they realize we got to get the 25 to 45. A major, major organization. I won't name them because I don't, I don't know if I should or not. But a major organization um, said, we're having problems with 25 to 45, and you're not. <laughs> so can we partner with you? Heck yeah. Of course. That's awesome. Good. You know? Um, now, are you, getting, are, are you getting more of that, Charles? Because there was there was some some level resistance uh, early yeah. on, and, and that was yeah. one of the things that I was, you know, I was like, what? Why Why is there so much resistance? And we'll talk. The we tide is turning now. Out. Good. The tide is turning now because we've, we're a year in and we've done so much. And this year, um, it's insane. So like the actions we're putting out is because I'm now being contacted by state organizations and state coalitions that are just like, we need to go that route because we get it now. Like, cause they know the ins and outs and, they had a year to maybe think about it or try and figure out what we're doing and what we stand for and all that. But the way we put things together, like, yep. And no one else is doing that. So now they're coming to me and saying, can you help us with this? 
can you help us with that? And now I have a few staff members, which is, I can't, it's, it's making me more busy, but I'm getting a lot more work, <laughs> getting a lot more done because there's people that are writing these actions and blogs and all the, all the organizational stuff that we need um, for people to be involved in these issues. So thank goodness, you know, because if, you, you, if, you'd hit burnout on that if you didn't have that help and how long can yeah. one man last doing that. Right. Right. Um, so, I mean, if people have, pro I know, you know, you brought up, um, can I say his name? Chris. Um, yeah, Chris. Okay. <laughs> so I haven't listened to his podcast and it's not, I just haven't had time. I, I don't, it, I've been insanely busy, but I had an interaction with him some time ago. I don't, six months ago, maybe. I'm not sure, but he was ripping on Howell. I couldn't understand why, and I was definitely super frustrated, and I basically was just like, no one's going to help you out, guys. You got to get involved. It's on you. You know, I'm just trying to give you the tools. I don't remember exactly what I said, but I couldn't understand why somebody, why hunters would have a problem with what Howell's doing. But I guess if they thought, if they had an opinion about some of the other organizations, which my opinion of them has changed also, I'm, I'm, I talk to these guys all the time now and I'm in coalitions and try to work with them. But if they had a perception of these guys where their shit wasn't working and we're just another more of the same, well, they're wrong. I, I wouldn't have done all of this and gone into massive debt and put all this time into it just to be the same. There were some holes to fill. There were some things to change. There were some mechanisms to improve. Um, but I've never talked to Chris. You know, I don't, when I, when I hear these things, I don't quite, I don't get it. I don't get what his problem with us can be. I don't get how there's a problem when you say hunting is conservation or, I mean, you, you can say you brought it up. You could bring up a simple thing like PR dollars. You, you could bring up that. Um, you could bring up the tag sales from, from licenses. You can, you could bring up, um, population, you know, ungulate, uh, when we, when we hunt predators that, that could help out ungulate populations or vice versa. Um, but for me, it's also a short hashtag like but, it, uh, yeah. hunting and conservation are reciprocally dependent on each other is a really long hashtag. Yeah, but understand the big, <laughs> so you got to boil. Sometimes you boil, got to boil things down. The big, big picture, though, is that this. When we say hunting is conservation, I'm not. Really talking to hunters, that's not my overall goal. I hope you sort of know that. Mike and I and John, John Stallone, he's the vice president of, of Hal and, and even, you know, Robbie at, at, at Blood Origins and people who have this broader message. These are the messages we have to bring to the non-hunting public. So it frustrates me when we say something like hunting is conservation that we're going to get hunters arguing over it because well eh, maybe not or this or blah. right like oh my like, god why are we splitting why are, why are we splitting hairs over well, something we're like trying that. to bring we're trying to bring these messages to the mainstream so yeah. they can see it differently and it's never been attempted i want to have and, a and, billboard well there but okay in san francisco that says hunting is conservation and people are going to look at it and go what what the and hell then we lead mean? them to something that shows them why like 
that's where the real battle is here. We can make the anti-hunting front completely irrelevant if we actually reach the non-hunting public. So it really frustrates me when I hear people nitpicking over, you know, in these, whatever. I, I could get into the wolf thing and people making comments on that. Shoot, shovel, shut up. How about That's the shut up right. part? And I, okay, How about you shut right. the fuck up? Where, where was right. that part about in it? Like you're not even <laughs> abiding by your own rules here. Right. Right. And I, and <laughs> you know, okay. I mean, I'm not going to defend, I'm not going to defend Chris's position or try and defend him. Right. I don't know his no, position, right. honestly. So yeah. I have to and, be and, fair there. And I, quite honestly, and, and we talked about this in our latest episode, you know, your, your experience, your part and uh, experience is part and parcel to your value set. Right. And Chris was on the front lines in the battle here in Colorado and, you know, other places in the country. So there's some frustration and, and Chris, forgive me if I'm misstating this and I, and from my position, there's frustration in the years that I've tried to make a difference, right? Because of what you see, right? And we've been talking about the legacy orgs as Mike calls them. That's where a lot of my frustration comes in. The fragmentation of the demographic when it comes to activism and protecting our rights. So I don't, I don't think Chris has a problem. I think his experience leads him to believe differently. Right. And, and that's why I sent you guys that episode. I wanted you to listen to it. And, you know, he says it, Hey, I pat those guys on the back. Um, they are on the front lines and they're doing something where a lot of us are doing nothing. Now, conversely, I'll call myself, Chris, Jim, and whoever else out. If we have an issue and we are not doing something, we're as guilty, if not guiltier, because we know, and there's people that aren't doing anything because they just don't know. Um, so I don't, yeah. I can't, I'm not going to, not going to defend Chris's stance. That's Chris's stance. And he has a fucking right to it. Period. Point. Blank, yeah. Right. No, and, and no, he fair enough. I, I would say, and I told him the same thing. You guys need to talk because the value that that guy brings to the table from experience and a well thought out line of thinking in terms of the animal, the biology, ecology, the whole nine is it is absolutely phenomenal for the people I know yeah. it's fucking second to none. I mean, just I'll say, listen, I'll say it right now. I could care less. I've been through, um, you want to talk about frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> this has been so hard. This is not my job. I haven't paid myself a cent. Okay. Whatever. But that's normal for anything. But I, I don't, I, again, I've never talked to Chris. I will bet that someday we will talk. They will probably benefit Hal and help out Hal, and I have no problem with that. I could care less. Listen, if his frustrations were kind of the same frustrations that I had in, in the past, I, I get it. I was just kind of like, well, you know, don't call me out without talking to me first. We, You know what I mean? Like, we just started, and I think what we're doing, it looks pretty freaking good. I mean... What, how, how do you call this out? But 
that that's what was frustrating me probably plus i was in the middle of probably building all these actions where i've been sitting in front of the freaking computer doing all this manual crap and i'm like who are these motherfuckers talking about me? <laughs> but, like, but that's you know, going to be the get, case you get angry right yeah, like, but that's, that's going to be the case does. across the demographic our community is is yeah. very tribalistic any fucking way oh yeah so no matter what good you do or what bad you do i mean we we watch professional influencers fuck up all the time and people will jump on board and get their backs. And then guys yeah. that are doing damn good, right. Are, are, are going to catch some shit too. It's, yeah. it, I think it just goes with us being people, right? I mean, it, it's, it's yeah. as fucked up as it is, especially when you're like, Hey, I'm just trying to do some good and make the difference that I can make as an individual. I know the last time you and I talked, man, you looked like you hadn't slept in a week and a half. And Probably when haven't. I saw you before that was at Expo and you looked even fucking worse. <laughs> right? Cuz that was that was going from Denver to Expo. I can't, I can't to remember Expo. the timeline, but yeah, I can't remember the timeline exactly, but it was basically I went to Denver yeah. and went to the Capitol building to be involved in the Lion Band in Colorado and then I went to That's right. I get think a busy an, yeah. an event and <laughs> busy oh, winter last year, man. Last winter was insane. He looked like South turned Carolina. over shit ten times. Yeah, that's what it was. I went to <laughs> South Carolina right after that, which was absolutely insane at this event. And then I came back to Hunt Expo. Yeah, I came back yeah. to Hunt Expo. I hadn't slept in three. I really hadn't slept yeah, in, really in a long time. And then you and I did a podcast, I think. Yeah. At uh, and I was like, I gotta go sleep. I couldn't. Like I was sleep, I was dead man walking at that at that expo. But that's just listen. I'm super passionate about stuff, and I definitely don't know everything. Um, I'm I'm working on that. But um, anyway, I imagine Chris and I will probably. I'm gonna make <laughs> sure you guys time. do right. I think if we yeah, do an episode, we do an. I'm gonna just schedule it. We're gonna do a damn episode with with the three of us because I think it'd be great, right? Because you you can. The, the hard discussion is there and Chris loves that shit. Um, but then the commonality. I almost have nothing too. to say. Cause I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah. Here's our mission. I, We're just getting people involved right. and like it's successful. And I don't. And I, 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 I hate to over rotate on, on the past podcast issue and stuff, because like when Charles and I got on, on to record a week ago about like what pisses me off, this conversation that we're just having right now was not at the center of that. And so the, like the conversation that we had was not hinged on, didn't hinge on, on the prior conservation podcast. I mean, I do think, I do think we're sometimes we spend too much time on debating, like is hunting conservation or not? It's like, it is like just simplified hunting contributes to conservation and conservation to Conservation benefits from hunting, legal, mm -hmm. regulated, paid hunting, and hunting benefits from conservation. Like they yeah. both, to, they both help each other succeed. Right? Could you do conservation with hunting? You could find a way. Um, but conservation requires, like, if it's not preservation, conservation requires you know participation, use, and consumption of the resource, as well as its perpetuation. So that's you know, it, so you could find a way to do it without hunting. But in the way it's been done so successfully over the last hundred years or so, North America and in Africa, conservation and hunting are, are really just, they're just woven together and they work really well. And so, you know, but that, I don't think that's the issue. It's no. a great, ta it's a great thing to explain to non-hunters 
because we need to explain a lot of things to non-hunters. We've given up that space. And so they, the non-hunters, have been told what hunting is for, you know, two decades or two, two generations oh, we got a lot practically. And, and yeah, I mean, there's bad actors, you know, there's people in the bowling community that act like jackwads and embarrass the bowlers. There's people in the RC car community that are f- tools and they, they, they embarrass the RC car community. There's a, you know, there's, there's, there's a community. But that's the point. That's yeah, yeah. the point. Like you're going to find, fools doing cringy stuff in every community and we can choose to and see the problem that i have is the s the anti-hunters latch onto that and they invest in that but they've got us investing in that too they've got us investing a lot of energy and time in the fringe element that is hunting as opposed to taking the middle 92 percent of hunting that is good and putting that out there more like I hear, I hear a lot of podcasts where people are like, "Oh, we need to stop doing this shit and stop doing that shit. We're fucking it up here, and we're doing this." It's like, okay, let's talk about what we do well. Let's talk because it is the it is the big but, middle, but but, but well, it is the big but, middle that we do well, and that is what we need to amplify. There you go. And invest Thank you. in Thank you. to push out the other stuff to the edge. If we spend all our time focused on the edge and invest in that, that's what we'll get more of. Okay, but you but. get you get what you and put your energy into, and right now a lot of energy goes out to the edge because we're responding to the fact that the anti hunters do that. But so they've got us distracted. We're not focused on the middle. We're not focused on the positive. We're not investing in the positive to grow that and put more of that out in front of the community. Okay, so so with that being said, I there's there's absolute promise and and point in what you said i'm not discounting it but if we don't self-police and look at that fringe element if you if you want to call it that and what they the detriment that they bring to the table when that is the focus of the anti-groups there if you look in psychology today (coughs) dr beckoff writes for them right and you look at how the psychology of hunters since i believe 2006 is being studied predominantly through our forums where we feel safe predominantly through social media posts through comments through captions yeah. through pictures so we can't necessarily push that out to the side and and we say can. it doesn't well but does that help us no, if no, that no i'm not saying we dismiss there? it i'm not saying we ignore it i'm saying we focus i can spend we, you and I, we could talk for two hours. We could talk for two hours. Oh, we're probably going to talk for two, three, buddy. We got yeah, a lot to flesh could, out. <laughs> but, 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 or I, I've seen it. You, uh, th- three, three guys could talk for nine hours. Sometimes yeah. 27 hours of dialogue. You have 27 hours of dialogue about all the stuff that's wrong. Or you could have an hour of dialogue about the stuff on the edges that we don't like, that everybody's amplifying, and then talk for 26 hours about what is good that we need to do more of, that we need to get more out in the in the field, in the stories we need to share with non-hunters. We could take 26 hours of time of, of human-hunter dialogue, mental bandwidth, and take that, invest that in the right stuff and get more of it instead of all 27 hours being focused on what's broken. You're, That's you're, what I'm talking about. You're absolutely right. Because, I can't disagree honestly, with you. That's- I don't see like 
I'm in, I'm in all the Facebook groups, right? I see some cringeworthy stuff. I don't see a lot. I don't now. I hunt alone exclusively. Um, by but, choice, or is that just because you? By don't choice, like nobody likes me. <laughs> no, by their choice, by their choice, nobody will go with me. No, I just, you know, and so I'm, I'm, maybe I'm insulated, but I don't see. I know it's out there. I know people do stupid shit. You know, there's a coyote shoot and. It, they make a bad hit and, and there's, you have a wounded animal that's acting out. Yeah. I, I, that happens. Um, it doesn't define me and it doesn't define 92% of the people that I know. It, it does to in the hunting community, but it does to the opposition because I'm not there because they don't know I hunt because those other people don't know me. They haven't seen my story. They haven't seen me. They're not insulated against that picture. So, and so what we need, we need more people. Like I've got a buddy who's a non-hunter. We went to high school together. He is, he is not a hunter. He does, he, he gets outdoors. He likes being outdoors, skiing, surfing, and stuff like that. But he's not a hunter. And, and him seeing me doing, you know, the podcast and putting my hunting stuff out there on um, social, because we haven't, we haven't been in the same room together in probably 40 years, 30 years. Um, but he's like fascinating. He's like, I learned so many words from you, like blood trail. Like I never thought that would be an interesting word to me. Um, like there's just so many, like he just, he'll ping me. He's like, ah, I, I learned this new word from you and learned this phrase. He is now insulated when he sees the PETA or the HSUS propaganda. He's now insulated from that because he says, I know Mike and he's not he knows. That. Yeah, he knows. He's like, I know a hunter, and he's not that. And so it's the it's the, or or he might say, has this ever happened to you, Mike? That was really ugly. Does that does that happen? He's insulated from it. He's not going to just snap react. It's and the thing is, is we're talking about like nuance. We're talking about a tiny amount of friction that these orgs need. The anti hunting orgs have no friction for their stories. Like a couple of weeks ago, it was, it was glorious. I went to, I saw, of course I see center for biological diversity. It was either them or wolf defenders, one of them. Anyways, they're making these, you know, they always put up a picture of a glorious stately, you know, just this majestic wolf. And you go to their Instagram feed, it's all these beautiful pictures of wolves and cubs. It's like, where's the picture of the wolves tearing a, an elk calf mm -hmm. apart? Like, come on. Like, it's a totally, it's a lie. Like what they present is a lie. It's not. Okay. And anyways, hold on. I'm gonna cut you off. It's, it's, it's not a lie when what they show their depiction they of us and it's the cringeworthy stuff. And that's what they're able to use. Now that insulation. Well, no, their pictures are all beautiful. Well, they don't show the wolf life cycle. Right, they show but, one thing. They show the stately wolf. But they show then they say, the Oh my God, life. Hunter. And then they show a Hunter. With right. And whatever. Show, yeah. Right. So, so the insulation fact, I, I understand what you're saying, but how do we insulate, uh, how do so, we insulate from them using us against us? So what I want to get to, what I, so on their Facebook thread, like half the comments were from hunters saying, Hey, 
you guys have overplayed this. Like wolves are wolves are recovered. The numbers show it. The data shows it. This is all about management. Hunting is about management for wolves and elk, you know, and, and prey species. There was like 30 comments from hunters that weren't us going unhinged. We weren't calling them names. And I don't know any of these people, but there's all these comments from hunters that are representing themselves truly as conservationists. Wolves are recovered. Go collect your money for some other legal battle. You know, this is about management. We're not bloodthirsty. We love to see the wolves out there too, but we need balance as well. I mean, all these types of comments that were balanced and, and focused on good wildlife management, but they were coming from hunters and it hijacked the thread. And then you get all the animators like all up in a tizzy, like you're an asshole. And, you know, they start, they're the ones that start calling us names and they start losing, they start losing their composure with just a story of values and data. And well, it was wonderful. It was great. It. Well, they don't care about it. But, but it was great be. because the people that go there, that were thinking, oh, I support them. There's also people that are reading that and seeing that dialogue and seeing hunters being composed and sharing values and a data and a, and, a, and a care for wildlife management and balance and seeing the, the, the crazies like losing their cool. There's other people that witness that and they're like, I'm just going to step back. Like I'm going to step back. I'm not going to click through and say, Anything. I'm not going to click through and send any money. I'm just going to step back. I, and so I would, I, I would, was great. I would say we we have a better foot forward. If that person said, Hey, you were pretty respectful in there. Can you explain, you, you know, what you're talking about yeah. here? Right. And then sure. I think we can, you know, I'm not saying, you know, a, a end zone dance on the four yard line. No, um, I, this is all, it's like, it's like a shift in the winds. It's which, almost which, imperceptible. Yeah. It's almost imperceptible, but that's what we need is we need those little, my thing is, Let's focus on what we're doing well. We can talk for 10 minutes about what's ugly because, okay, that's ugly. Let's not show that. What do we need to show more of? And we can talk for hours about what we need to show more of and do more of to invest in the positive to get more of it in front of the right people. I, I will I, I will say that I agree with you there. I absolutely agree with that. And it's a, it's a hard – and I'm not saying it in, to be negative. It's a hard thing to digest after years of going, please wake the F up hunters, right? It's really sure. hard to, to chew on that after years of watching inaction, arrogance, apathy, you name it, we've done it. Uh, sure. So, so based on, based on you changing me up a little bit, focus on the good. <laughs> no, I, I want to rewind this a little bit because we, there's some stuff I want to flush out, right. And, and understanding, the mission in front of us and people not understanding. And you brought it up the difference between, and, and I think this is needed difference between legislature, ballot box, commission mm. regs, commission, et cetera, et cetera. Give mm -hmm. a quick synopsis of how that looks. So people understand when they're sending these, the, uh, clicking onto the action center and sending that out, what that looks like and what that means. Well, that's just issue specific, you know, it, it, so decision makers are the, the people who are directly involved with that bill at this present time. And that does change because, <clears throat> okay, I said a, a bill. So if it's a bill, that's legislative, that's legislative, that's a legislative issue. So that will start generally with a committee. If it makes it out of committee, 
maybe it'll go to another committee or maybe it'll go to the full house and then the Senate and maybe it'll be rewritten a couple of times and go back to the house and back to the Senate. And if it actually makes it, it'll go to the governor's desk and the governor will sign it or veto it. So there's those issues. And one thing we do is as those decision makers change, then so does our action. So it's always going to the right people. So for instance, right now there's a Connecticut bill to have a bear season. And right now it's going to the environmental committee. Um, and they will vote whether to progress that or not. And then if that progresses, it'll probably go to the house. So then our action would change. So now it goes to every member of the house, which could be 150, 100, whatever, whatever it is. It's a lot. Um, and then it goes to the Senate. Then it'd go to the governor. Um, now, if there's an issue with the commission, that's not a that's not a bill. That's rulemaking, essentially. Um, that's a where the commission kind of <sighs> takes a department recommendation or or a public petition and considers it. They do ask for public comment. So we'll set up an email. A lot of times that just goes to one email because they're like, send everything to this email. Mm -hmm. However, right now, currently for Washington, I'm sending it to every single one of those commissioners individually because I have all their individual emails, plus the department, plus the general mailbox. I'm hitting everything I possibly can because I'm so frustrated with that whole state. Um, but... Those decisions are made via public input and public participation. Um, and of course, what the department recommends and all that. But I'll give a case in point here. At least this is what I believe. This whole Washington spring bear thing had hunters not shown up. Maybe a couple of people would have showed up to talk. Um, that decision would have been made about 10 months ago and would have been over with. And that was it. And, you know, there would have been some emails from some groups that said, yeah, we tried. And the anti-hunters won. We have outnumbered the anti-hunters on every single front on this whole entire issue, except for the fact that the governor of Washington is an anti-hunter and appointed and broke RCWs, broke rulemaking, and appointed commissioners to the commission without following proper procedure. And then the Senate didn't follow proper procedure by um, uh, confirming those commissioners. So there's a lot of things wrong here. These people's backgrounds are in anti-hunting organizations. The one that stepped down that got so much pressure is on the advisory board for Wildlife for All who is a greater arm of Washingtonians for wildlife first, wildlife first. Right. I get the acronyms because some of them are hunting organizations. They're so close <laughs> to each so other. Man. So I try to not, I try there's to, there's a not. lot of W's in all okay. of them, but there's a lot of <laughs> bullshit going on there. Okay. There's a lot of bullshit going on there. Um, they could not deny our presence. They could not deny the amount it's in it's 30 some odd thousand emails that they were sent 
from different people that they recognize. And then every time they have a meeting, the hunters are there in droves. Um, that's why this thing has progressed. That's why it's um, still alive. That's we why have, it's even still a debate. We have uh, Brad Thompson who refuses to be on a podcast or whatever. He's continually writing petitions, listening to what they say, changing the petition to kind of basically say what they ask for to keep the conversation going and keep the ball rolling. There's a lot of strategy going on there. Um, and I can talk about it now because it's in the open, but there's also litigation going on. We are a part of a group that's suing. Um, currently right now, the governor, but it's going to be on multiple fronts. But I guess back to your question is, you know, so when there's, it just depends on the issue. That's who we're going to go after. Um, the commission is probably where you can do the most work and where the most changes happen. That's where you get your hunting seasons. That's where you get the, um, the like certain methods of take, um, extended hunting seasons, you know, can you allocations, tag allocations? Yeah. Tag allocations, all that. Yeah. There's so much power within the commission and there's hardly any hunter involvement there. I think until now. Yeah. Yeah. The commission, a lot of people using California example, and I think most states, people say, oh, you know, the department's messed up. The department this, department that. And a lot of times they're they're commingling all the different laws that are good yeah. and bad, and they're attributing them to the department. <laughs> yeah. It's like the department actually makes none of the regulations. They make none of the laws. They just execute what they're told to do. They do obviously bring management plans forward. They bring data forward. They bring recommendations forward to the commission. But the department makes no decisions. They just execute whatever's in in writing. The commission level, whether you're getting a good output from the commission or a bad output from the commission, because the appointing process it, the commission makeup evolves. People are on there for a few years. They leave. Somebody else gets appointed. And so things that happen at the commission can change. Like nothing is carved in stone forever at the commission. And that's good. Like if we're going to lose a battle, losing the commission is a lot easier than losing in the ballot box or the legislation. Because once it goes ballot box or legislation, now you got to change the law. And that's a much harder issue. And so advocating for things to stay in the commission, advocating for a strong, like Montana and their, looks like they're going to try for a, a right to hunt type of a constitutional amendment. Right to hunt, you know, fish think, and trap. Yeah. So, uh, a constitutional amendment at the state level that forces wildlife management decisions to be happening in the commission level keeps a lot of options open. You can go and you can make a decision. Oh, that was a bad decision. It didn't like over harvest. Let's shut down some tags. Like you can make those, you can make decisions based on the current data much more easily in both directions than if it's through the electeds or through the ballot box. Um, the commission is the arena where we want to be. Like if it can happen there, most of them have a charter to support hunting to some degree. Um, that's our place. Like we have to love it. We have to, even if it's going against us, that is, that's the arena we want to be in. And then we have to figure out a way to get, 
like the challenge with Washington right now is through the electeds, there's, I'll say it, there's what looks like corrupt behavior. Mm -hmm. Totally. You know, they, it's certainly, it's (laughs) certainly, yeah, it's certainly, they certainly haven't followed the spirit of the rules and the regs and the law. They haven't followed the spirit of it for sure. And I'm sure that they never expected a hunting, a grassroots coalition of hunting orgs to go in and, and, and file litigation, file a lawsuit for this, what looks like bad behavior and looks like corruption. Um, but anyways, yeah, the, usually the commission is where we want to be. Um, unless we want to lock something up permanently. Cause again, if we can get something put down in legislation, it's harder to flip. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, I mean, the, the, the commission structures where, you know, data, data is presented, values are presented and, and decisions can be made that can also be reversed. And they probably did not anticipate sportsmen showing up because we haven't in the past. Right. So that, that that's probably knocked them a few steps back to say the least. Um, Huntsman's Jim said he, he reached out to, uh, I'm not sure if it was one of the commissioners or one of the board members. I forget what he said. And she basically said, well, the people have spoken. I don't know what there is to talk about. And basically blew him <laughs> off. Uh, and he, yeah. you know, he, he said, he, he, I was pissed. You know, he said, I couldn't even respond at that point. But the fact that it's not solved and settled and this commissioner or board member is making that statement is pretty interesting. It speaks volumes as to where they're at with it. That's, uh, yeah. They seem pretty sour. Yeah. Well, again, because they didn't think we were going to do a freaking thing because quite honestly, we haven't done enough. Right. And, and, and I'm so glad to hear that and see that we are, um, you know, going back to what I said earlier, our, our attitude has been pretty apathetic. You said it when you said, you know, we complain about, you know, the, uh, the commissioner and the regs or the commission and the regs we're complaining about it and they have nothing to do with it. Well, it's because if we knew that, Right. If we had a problem, then we should have been showing up in the first place. People, people are learning that now. People are starting to parse Thank it out God. and understand, like, okay, the department can be my ally. The yeah. commission can be the right place right. to have this conversation. I need to direct. Oh, I want hound hunting back. I'm like, yes, I do too, but I can't talk to the commission about it. I'm wasting their time. I'm wasting my time and their time if I want to talk about mountain lions and hound hunting at the commission level because I can't do it. It's a law. Like to me, for me to help get hound hunting back in California, I need to talk to my neighbors. <laughs> you know, I need yeah. to go walk the neighborhood and say, "Hey, when this comes up on the ballot box, we want to flip this. Will you vote for it?" That's yeah. Back on. All right, I had a technical error there. Totally lost uh, Mike's train of thought. I think. train of thought <laughs> <laughs> off the rails. Oh, the train well. of thought is to a new station. No, I, you know, and I wanted you guys to kind of walk through the the difference there so people understand it right. Um, because the, you know, the email part of it and, and what that means and where it's going, I think is important for people to hear um, if they don't get it. The one thing I'd like to address with it is crossing state lines, now crossing national borders. Um, yeah. You know, how, how is that received, right? If we're talking about, you know, managed through the people of the state and that's, you know, some of the earlier issues, um, with, and yes, I'm guilty of it with states that I hunt, that I was actively trying to participate in, 
um, you know, sorry, we appreciate it, but you're not basically not a constituent. So piss mm-hmm. off, Mr. Hunter. So how is that different now with the approach? Because apparently there's some effect, um, a large effect with it. So how is that working? And what's the difference now from in the past? You mean like the the way we deliver it and and people from out of state being able to be it's more how you target it. Yes, I think it's how you target it. Like you target the committee, and because the seven committee members aren't in my district, it used to be that I couldn't get an email to them. Mm -hmm. But now, no matter where you are, we can get messages from everywhere onto those seven committee members. Yeah, for any state issue. I can, it, it just takes a lot of time on my end to set it up this way, but on any state issue, whether it's going to a representative or a Senator, I can set it up. So anybody from any state is reaching that person and the, what they see on the other, I, I try to, I kind of work things backwards and reverse. I'm like, okay, I need to set this up. So what is the decision maker seeing? And what will, you know, what questions will they ask, if any, or whatever. But what they see is your name and your email address, and that's it. They see your name, and they can reply to your email address. Now, they can reply with, where are you from, or whatever. Um, or they can reply with what you actually wrote them about, you know. Um, a lot of the forms, they try to, they set up forms where you got to type in your address and, you know, so they know they're in the district or whatever. Um, I know how to get around that. There's some API and things to get around that. That's what takes a long time for me to set up these damn actions. But, but I don't want to just be like, Oh, we just tricked the system. I'm why I think people should be involved across state lines or across to Canada is man, it's so many fronts, I guess. So let's, let's start with the easy stuff. Um, we hunt, let's just take, let's, let's take Montana right now with this right to hunt, right to fish and right to trap. Um, if they pass that, they're going to have that right for ever, right? It's in their constitution. That's going to make it so much harder and create and, and, and for the anti-hunters to defeat that or defeat certain hunting regulations is going to take way more resources. We built up a foundation, a wall, defensible wall that is so much harder than what it currently is. But it also makes it so me, I can go to Montana and hunt, right? And I can rely on that. Mm-hmm. So... That's why I should get involved. That's one reason. The second reason is what happens in, in other states and what we can be successful with in other states. We can then take those things to our state. And if we're all as hunters, as a community, Montanans and people from Vermont, whatever, you know, all these states, if we're kind of just shifting around where the issues are and we're all supporting each other, then when we want to get a right to hunt passed in Oregon, which I think is coming up, it's going to be one of the bills, Oof. we can get all those people and we can 
get that in place, you know, in Oregon and, and so on and so forth. But also on the other side of it is when the anti-hunters um, attempt to ban lion hunting or whatever, bear hunting in one state, these are all the same people that you'll see right. in every state with all the with same, the same messages. Orgs. So they're doing the same thing. So it's like, you know, whatever state you're in, you need to see this battle as in your front yard right now. Because it because, absolutely is. Because if you don't see it in your front yard, it actually will be in yeah. your front yard. So this whole border thing and we can't, we shouldn't take part in this. That's bullshit. Because nobody, this isn't the 1800s where I went and found my homestead and I live here and I grow everything here and I raise everything here and I hunt within, you know, 10 miles of my property. We travel, we have cars, we have planes. This is a part of our life. We go everywhere. This is the United States of America. And we tend to abide by the North American uh, model of conservation. So if, if something in another state bothers me or something that I love that, I, you know, that's going to be good for hunting, I think we should all be involved there. So yes, I've set up the actions so you can cross all those borders for some of those reasons that I just gave. So with that, okay, with that being said, so if, if HSUS is in Washington, <laughs> that's, a, that's probably their headquarters at this point. So say they're down in, in New Mexico with a, mm -hmm. with a trapping issue, right? There is some lessons to be learned across the board because we know that that's going to be precedence and they're going to go and try and apply the same thing in whatever states they can next. Where do we... Yep stand with a proactive approach or mirroring their actions like you mentioned earlier in in the setup of how and how you're kind of working backwards off of their model which is smart as hell um but how do we get proactive in the front to say hey this was here how do we get it you know if, if New Mexico, Colorado, and say Utah, the only states that have trapping, how do we go and deal with it in those states up in front of their bringing it to the table? It seems like proactive approach or, or taking offense for once or twice would be great um, considering we're always on the defense. Where, where Where is something or that thought process in it? Is it, I'm sure oh. for you guys, it's the thought process, but what does that take? I mean, that just seems like a hell of an undertaking, but I think that's where yeah. we failed in, in mostly all of this shit because we are so reactive. You're talking about being, being offensive. Yes. Being sir. on the offense. Yes, sir. Not offensive, but not being offensive. on the offense. Not offensive. I don't, we, <laughs> yeah, I don't mind. I don't well, the Montana offensive. issues. Yeah. The Montana issue is, is a, is a great yeah. example mm -hmm. of, of tactically like right now, create results this year being on the offense. And then there's the more, a more nuanced being on the offense, redefine, taking control of the dialogue, taking control of the language that's used about hunting just out in the community. And that's where, that's where it's like very strategic 20 year plan there, so there's like the tactical stuff, like what Montana is doing and hopefully, Hey, maybe California, maybe Oregon in the next five years, maybe there, you know, hopefully there's quite a few of these constitutional right to hunt, fish, procure garden, like just food security, wildlife management, yeah. all bundled in one right to food. Um, 
hopefully that's happening quite a bit because it's it is the path. I mean, it is, it is very much the path to making sure that these decisions at least are being made in the in the commission level, and that they're that that they're, there's a mandate to support regulated sustainable hunting. So, okay, you said hopefully it's happening. So, hopefully is what we have been relying on. How do yeah. we how do we initiate it happening? Oh, okay. Okay, okay. So you're saying let's look at a state, how do we get how do we win? Bill? And how, how do, do we, we get a how do we get a bill in process? Right. If we if we have a win oh. somewhere and we have precedence, HSUS does it all the time. Humane mm-hmm. Society does it all the time. How do we take that win and and pay it forward to our brothers and sisters in the outdoor community in the next state? How how is that? Where are we in that process? Because no one's really early been proactive. Yes, yes. Okay. But I think yeah, it's important well. to talk about because a lot of times, and I almost said it when Mike was talking, right? And and this is, and, and I'm going to just call myself out. It's half the problem because he said, you know, hopefully that's going to happen in California, Oregon. What was my first, yeah. the first thing that came to my mouth or into my mind was what? Yeah, fucking right. So there well, you go so with I'll inaction you, I'll you right and now, attitude. Like for, it to, for it to happen in California, <laughs> for it to happen in California, here's my view. We need to do three years, two years of hunter advocacy and engagement at the Capitol where we go in and meet with all the electeds. And it's me and somebody from an org and another person who hunts that doesn't look like me. Um, And we need to go in in threes and we need to go in and talk to them about what hunting is to me and my family and my community from a physical, mental, emotional, economic health standpoint. And what we, what we also know it means for wildlife with no ax to grind, like no, we're not trying to buy you. Like this is us and our value set. And we need to do that like for two years while we're running billboard campaigns, eight months of the year in San Francisco, San Jose, LA, Orange County, San Diego, about, you know, with 20 different faces of hunters. Like we need to plant the seeds to shift the wind and start building a a non-hunter like mindset that is challenges what they see most of the time from the anti-hunting community with no ax to grind, just for the purpose of presenting the idea that there's something going on here that isn't the way they've seen it before and start challenging that. And then we need to do it again, you know, third or fourth or fifth year when the time is right. And, and it seems like strategically it's now is bring in the constitutional amendment that pushes wildlife management to the commission forever. So like now that's California. I mean, Montana, they're, they're like the mindset in Montana is they're, they're, they're five, 10, 20 years ahead of that strategy in Montana. But basically every state we've got to be doing the small work now to build the, build the mindset that supports that concept and then get it done. Which I, in my opinion, and I'm, and I'm halfway speaking out my ass, it was smart for 
the Montanans to do that now with the influx. Yeah, with the especially with the influx uh, of out of staters, right? With California. California is <laughs> always blamed for it. It's it's funny. Um, but that's, there's that's a part that's a part of the protest too. That's a part of it. Is is um, before this happens, we yes. need to get this done. Right. Mm-hmm. And look at New Mexico when they ban trapping. Look at these. Look at the initiative. I, 177 I think it is in Montana that was tried and blown away like 55 of 56 counties I think voted against it Um, but it was an anti-hunting initiative in Montana and they're just like let's just do this now Mm -hmm. no let's just button button it up yeah and there's more there are definitely more right to hunt initiatives um in process and and a lot of it's going to be and their strategy to this too a lot of it's going to be right to food and in the details will be it in your right to food includes being able to source that food through traditional methods of take however the headline this is part of the strategy the headline is right to food yes Because if you understand the psychology and because these things have to go to the ballot box, Mm -hmm. you understand the psychology when you read the little synopsis of the bill, we're going to have in there right to food for all Oregonians, you know, who's going to disagree with that? Right. Well, who who reads the, who reads the, who reads the extra stuff? Nobody does. Charles Whitwell. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, me, yeah, me. That's right. Because I'm, I'm a weirdo. But there's most people don't. They look at that and they're like, well, that's yeah. a good idea. Yeah, fucking vote for it. You just have to play the psychology of people. That Well, and even the details. If they read the details, the commission will be empowered to to maintain economic and ecological sustainability of, of, of critters in the state. Yeah. It's like, how do you say no to that? I don't want to trick How do you so, say no to yeah. protecting the wildlife, making sure that they're not, because that, that's the other thing that the antis do is they paint this picture of like 1930s market hunting right. and yeah. poisoning all the predators. Like that's not happening today. There's a yeah. few people out there that have the mentality of no predators, but, but I don't, it's not my view. I would love to see a wolf. I, I would love to see all the critters on the landscape. That's awesome. I also want them to be managed. And I want hunting to be the tool that manages them. South and so, South Slope of Shasta, buddy. You'll see them. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're no, they're here in California. I, I we know. know. I hunted with and thank them. Thank goodness the elk are expanding too. Yeah. But the thing is, is like they use this, they paint this picture of like the you know, arsenic laced, you know, you know, hindquarters of horses being thrown all over the landscape to kill all the wolves. That is not the mission of 90% of hunters in the U.S. right now. I don't believe it is. No. I don't think that's the mindset. I think the mindset is we want management. We want to be part of the management system. We want to look. We want to protect the prey species. Yes, the predators are going to be there, and but th- we but they get away with that. They get away with that propaganda that we're bloodthirsty, just want them all killed because nobody else is filling the void. But you know, if the commission is empowered and funded to guarantee ecological and economical sustainability of, of the wildlife. Boom. I mean, the rights of food, the rights of food striking now with that, considering everything we've seen over the last, you know, two or three years and, and just the influx of people out hunting and gathering even has, has 
compounded since what was that crazy year? 2020? Was it 2020 when that was 2020? When this <laughs> bullshit crazy started? <laughs> Craziest year of my 40, 48 years on this earth, man. That shit was nuts. Um, oh, me but, too, by far. Oh, yeah. good lord. But I think you know it is the perfect time to see this stuff coming down the pike, right? Because more and more people, I'm now we're in some kind of weird old egg shortage. Um, but <laughs> you can go buy a fryer chicken, you know, no problem. I don't know. Strange, but yeah, I think that now is the right time for something like that to come, <laughs> to come across. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think the proactive approach is something that we're not used to. And that could be because we're always on our heels. So we don't even have a chance to, you know, to turn that tide. And I think a lot of their hitting us like crazy now, I, you know, I said on the other podcast, I think a lot of it is just to get us to capitulate because of our history and not showing up and being, you know, to some point arrogant that it was yeah. here and it was a right. And this is what we're going to do. Um yeah, I also think the legacy orgs go back to pick on them for three seconds. I think the legacy orgs enjoyed a lot of status quo. I think I think as long as they didn't lose too much, I think they I think they enjoyed a lot of years of of status quo is good enough, and so they don't. It's new, at least from what I see, and I'm new too. But it's new for the legacy orgs to bring forward proactive new ideas um I'm, can i qualify in fact something? there's and, and really i think to a large degree they're still not i don't and so I don't, you've got citizens doing it hold on i'm gonna cut you off again i'm sorry i want to qualify yeah, no. something i said you know new to hunting i don't want i don't i think you're a good voice for us mike and i think that your yeah. that your outlook on it and everything so i don't want to discount what you're doing by you saying or me saying, you know, newer hunter or whatever that, that is, that is besides the point. I think what you're doing is positive. And I think we need outlooks like yours. Like I said, as soon as you said Oregon and California, you know, I'm, I'm throwing, I was about to throw out a negative comment. So yeah, Yeah. don't, don't qualify or discount yourself by newer hunter. I think your voice is. And I shouldn't have said hoping. I said, when we do this, this (laughs) is what it'll look like, (laughs) but but we are are going to do it. We are going to do it. I think, you know, there's a vision for making it happen. Um, we need a lot of other people to have a vision for it too. And then we start to put those things together. Mm -hmm. So a lot of, a lot of the talk, in in the community is the antis right the anti-hunter this the Mm anti-hunter that where where do we stop and self-reflect and say okay (laughs) maybe maybe it's not them and maybe it has been us we've made it in my opinion fucking easy for them Mm -hmm. yes right 100 you're right yeah, I mean, it goes yeah. back to if we were just involved, if we, they wouldn't, they would be irrelevant, you know. If we just tried, that's yeah. that's the part that drives I know Mike crazy and me crazy about the big orgs with all the money and the things that they could do with that money. Now, they're doing a lot of great things with that money. I just think they should do some different. They should add on to what they're doing and do some things differently with that money. If I had $3 million right now, I could do some really awesome stuff for hunting. And what I mean by that is the messaging of hunting and what it means to be a hunter, but not to hunters. 
I wouldn't market a goddamn thing to hunters. Silo, right? It's a, it's an echo Sorry. chamber. No, that's perfect. Sorry about that. Well, we're no, already here. Like, we're was, already here. It, like, it we would, know what we're going to vote for. It would like, be, for the most part. Yeah, it would. Right. Like, I'm not even concerned really about hunters, even though there's a few of them. They want to complain about how or whatever. No, <laughs> just kidding. Sorry, Chris Rowe. But um, it would be directed 100% to the middle ground, to that 80%. And so much can be done there. PETA does it all the time. Mm -hmm. And they're still considered a fringe group by most, not by hunters, Mm -hmm. by Americans. They're like, PETA's kind of crazy. But you'll still see them have, I don't know if they're on the Super Bowl, but you'll still see them have, you know, mainstream media attention. Yeah. Commercials. And they get get lost. They'll get one out of 100 people. But how many people are seeing it? A few million? Hundred million? I don't know what are. I'd, I'd love to get those numbers. Mm-hmm. Let's get those people into our side, because once that happens, their money goes away, their relevancy goes away, their power goes away. They can't do anything. And you're because not saying in our side are with because, a gun and a tag. You're saying just in an our side, like from a mental, I support that. I'm not going to be oh, against yeah. it. No, no. Let me make that clear. Right. I don't want any more hunters. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We have enough. Hunters, we have enough anglers, we have enough sportsmen, I think. And now if somebody wants to get into it, that's great. And I totally support that. But I'm not trying to recruit more hunters. I'm trying to recruit more people that support hunting who are just like, oh, I get that. You're just going into the woods and getting your meat. And I'm going to the grocery store and getting my meat. It's as simple as that. We don't need to overcomplicate this. Right. Right. You know, and and we'll never R three our way. We'll never R three our way to owning the non hunter mindset. So no R three. Okay, funding tags, Pittman. Yeah, there there's. I mean, it's important to have a, a an econ, a community that's strong and involved in doing what we do. But we'll never R three will never win these battles for us. So it, it hasn't what, like what? No, it hasn't. <laughs> and it won't. It will. So if in California, you go from 4% to 6%. Hey, we got 50%. No, we need 50% of the non-hunters, mm-hmm. not 50% growth in the hunting community. And, and, and there's value in the 50% growth in the hunting community, but it doesn't win this dialogue at the ballot box. It doesn't win the dialogue in the commission. And so this is why I think, you know, the nuance is what Charles is talking about. This is about messaging and getting the owning the owning the the like the mental and philosophical arena mm-hmm. of what hunting how hunting is defined in the non hunting community the narrative yeah and and it's you, ridiculous and it's not it's not a new thing hunters have always been celebrated if you go back in time and, and, <laughs> and maybe I'm wrong maybe I've just been romanticized to me so maybe maybe it is wrong but Hunting cultures that relied on hunting, they celebrated the hunters. And when the hunters killed something, they hooted and hollered and they went crazy about it because it is a challenge and it is amazing. And it's an amazing thing to do, put an arrow through an animal to go on a stalk for freaking eight hours after day eight. It's insanity. I can't compare that to anything else in life whatsoever at all. It's more of an overall experience than sex it's human 
Mike says it all the time. This is so <laughs> freaking human. It's 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 at literally at our core. It yep. clothed us. It kept us warm. It fed us. Developed our brains. All of that. We're over complicating things. This is a simple freaking message. This is human, and it's fine to celebrate it, and it's fine to talk about it. The cave paintings. We just have Instagram today. If right. they had Instagram back then, what? They wouldn't be posting it? They took the time to paint it on the walls of a cave. Scrawl it in the rock. Yeah, yeah they that carved actually, it in the rock. <laughs> yeah, that actually took time. It's storytelling. That actually took time. It's, 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 it's human. It's just it's yes. human storytelling. Well, yes. I'll agree to a point with, with most of what you said, but the, the, the disconnect is that when hunters came back, they were feeding the village, the community, right? The tribe. Whereas we, we don't see that now, right? It goes in Aaron my freezer. Snyder, Aaron Snyder feeds the tribe and he got grilled for it for, for, for a few hours in the last couple of weeks. I thought he handled it pretty well. Well, I'm not talking, he handled it well. What I'm saying is, that there's actually a forum in our own community that would give him grief for feeding oh, the tribe. Absolutely. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. That's, I think, I, I think, but the, the other part of it is forget about the feeding. Like the, there's so many parts of hunting that are intrinsically human. Like most of us go out and hunt. We pay, we pay for the opportunity to go out and do this thing. And most of the time we're not successful. Like the large numbers describe my Granted, East coast. If you got whitetail everywhere, it's a, it may be a different story, but, but Western States, especially most of us fail. And that's one of the things that people that know me that didn't know I had, and then start started seeing it. They, they realize it. And people say, wow, I, I didn't realize it was that hard. Like shit, you, you've, you know, you've been out there for, this is your fourth year and you finally got a deer. I didn't know it was so hard. Like they just really thought that we just drove around and shot stuff. And, but the thing is we, as a community, we, as individuals, as a community, we spend money to go out and do something that has a high likelihood of failure. And in who is it? The XO backpack guys, hunt back country guys. Like he does the death hike. They do their death hike. And the purpose of it is to go out and do something that has a light, high likelihood of failure. Michael Easter's book about um, the comfort crisis, about the, the psychological and physical benefit of going out and doing something that has a high likelihood of failure. Like at the most basic human level, we go out and intentionally do things that have a high likelihood of failure. They're complicated, they're hard, they're mentally testing, they're physically testing. And so I don't care and we go to the woods with a purpose. A lot of people go hike, but they don't have a purpose and they miss a lot of what's around them because they don't slow down to see what's around them. So this is where, to me, hunting, whether we bring back the meat and feed the tribe or not, is for the individual that's doing it is good for that human being. Absolutely. But and you can't you pluck any group of 50 people out of the inner city and have them go to the mountains for a day. Most of them are going to be better for it. I'm one guy, of them. I'll tell you how to get guy. <laughs> I'll tell you how to get people to listen to that message because it's the way humans work in the United States right now. <clears throat> if I'm a white dude and I'm talking about this, people are just like, ah, ah, white boy stuff. <laughs> they got some. They got some weird ideas about it. I think we have a chance to make this a social justice message. 
the social justice issue. There are, I mean, obviously it's, I feel weird talking about it because it's like, obviously there are, but I, um, I, I don't think they represent themselves in the public as much for various reasons. But there's tons of black hunters, there's tons of brown hunters, there's tons of native non reservation. Hey, look at yeah. me. Guys got his hands up, guys waving. He's like, look at me, look at me. Tons, <laughs> tons, of, <laughs> tons of non-reservation living Native Americans that hunt. And they all have their own stories. And I don't think those stories are told enough. Um and I, every migrant I, community, I, every migrant oh, community yeah. that comes to the US has a hunting ethic. Well, that and a lot of that can boil down to the economics, right? So I, I kind of, you know, we we talked a little bit of our origins on on this last episode with uh, with Jim and Chris, South Central Los Angeles, dude. I would look at the Hollywood sign as a kid, and all it was was the Hollywood sign. It's sitting on mm-hmm. that that Grand Angeles National Forest, which I would have probably never have hiked that many miles up there if this didn't intrigue me enough for me to save $250, $300 to get that first eBay bow when I was, you know, 22, 23 years old and strike out up there, right? I yeah. it, it did not have any value. It didn't mean anything. Now, we would go and, you know, my... We were we were outdoorsmen in terms of camping and fishing, but with hunting, no, I'd hear stories of, you know, my grandpa's generation, my grandma's generation, you know, down south and they were hunting. Now you want to talk about a hunting heritage in a black community? Wow, look yeah. at down south. I mean, it mm-hmm. is it is mm-hmm. absolutely phenomenal, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, I mean, you look at so I'm Creole. So if you look at our food. It was based on the food sources that were available that we could go hunt and gather, right? Yep. That didn't translate when they did the exodus over here to me. It didn't translate to my generation because they were going and they were buying whatever we would go and hunt and gather down in Louisiana. It was in the store here. So I had no idea. Right. And I and I think you're right. It's a there's a huge message there. But I think a lot of it is just the economics of it as well. It, it, it seems to be very unattainable when you're in that position, because no one knows that you can go do it for 200 bucks, you know, to get your first bow or go to right. and get fatigues and, and things like that. So I, I don't. No, but if we can amplify, here's here's my point. If we can amplify your story, step outside of the hunting bubble. Mm-hmm. I don't care about. That's my story. When I get into I a commission meeting, I don't. That's I don't, my I don't story. Care about what hunters think. Yes, when you but when you get into a commission meeting with, you know, the outside world, and you're giving your story, and you say how you're Creole, and you talk about your ancestors, that's so important to them. That holds. It just does. It just holds weight. You're not the guy that they see on the outdoor channel hunting on tree stands over whitetails and like the same thing over and over again. And I love right. that stuff. Right. But I'm just saying I people like- have a hard time <laughs> relating to that. Okay. When, so we started a committee. I just haven't gone live with it yet. It's called the Holt Collier Committee. Holt Collier, the black hunter who was a slave who ended up being, I think, a Texas Ranger. And Teddy Roosevelt hired the bear to, to, uh, he was a guide for bear hunting. 
one of the greatest bear hunters ever, this black dude. Um, there's members of this committee and they all have their own stories, but some of them are, hey, anti-hunters, when you want to come take this away from me, right? I'm seeing this as a form of colonization. When has that message been used? Never. That's a message that the public, the non-hunting public who could give a shit about hunting, will step back and go, wait a second, what? Right. I want to well, know and, more about that because yeah. that's different. And guys, because, what? Because your story is your ancestors hunted and then slavery took place and there was no hunting and you're trying to get back to what your traditions were. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So I recognize that as being a very powerful story. So that's how we win these, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. those type of messages, I could give a shit about what the well, hunters think. It just shows that, I'm, that it's a broader community as well. Right. And, and it's so, all yeah. set into the same value set. I, and I was going to say, as Charles was talking, I loved how uncomfortable he was just bringing that up, Mike. <laughs> yeah. It's a, no, it, it, it is. I get, like, I who, get who, why you were that who, way. Who's, who are we, you yeah. know, who am I, or who is he to say that? But, but guy, imagine, you know, 150 years ago, the family, your, your family, Creole heritage. Imagine if somebody had said, oh, no, no, no. You can't go out in that public land and collect your food. Mm-hmm. We're going to take that away from you because we know better. Mm-hmm. Like what, what's, what's going on with that? Like what, what was that? Cause that's happened. Like there's been major movements worldwide where, where another enlightened and more powerful group comes in and says, you can't go do that. Those are, and I, and I'm starting to like be very blunt about it. Those are very bad moments in human history. history. Yes, absolutely. Like, and I'm calling like now, you know, keyboard warrior that I am sometimes I'll call like, I'll say this is, you know, look at the times where groups like you have taken away the right for others to go out and use the land and, and procure from it. Which of those groups are you with? Like, which of those movements in human history do you align with? And they're like, oh, right. Just got uncomfortable here. Mm-hmm. I'm not like that. It's like, no, you are like that. You, you know, this is economically and ecologically sustainable. We're not, we're not causing extinction. We're looking, their wildlife balance is, is in the plan. Who are these people to dictate that? You, I, should not participate in it. Those are bad times in human history when when great movements have have taken that stance um, against the activity that is so innately human. You don't even have to go back 150 years. I could tell you stories that my grandma told me, you know, and and my grandma, (laughs) you know what I mean, out trying to, you know, pigs, chicken, et cetera, et cetera, just off the landscape. Um, and, and it's pretty interesting, you know, chicken in hand, hiding in a ditch, soaking wet, scared <laughs> for her life type, you know, down wow. South, um, bigotry stuff. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, I, the only thing I would say in it is, is I have, I have huge issue with, I shouldn't say huge issue. But I, I don't like divides in our community. And what I don't want to see is a movement to separate our community and our values 
based on differences. That shit drives me crazy. I mean, not even just in the hunting community, right? When I look at people, I don't see anything but that person. That person treats me a certain way or behaves a certain way. That's what I see. So I don't see race. Sorry, I do see gender because that just is what it is. <laughs> um, but but you know the, you know what I mean. I don't want to see our community divided or start to make a point to have standout because our values are just hunting. The values that come from hunting, and Mike, you could probably attest to it, right? There's things that have been added to your life in the last six or seven years uh, mm-hmm. since you become a hunter that you probably didn't even realize. And I don't want to sure. lose any of that by highlighting difference. Now, if it, it yeah. if it's a positive effect on the outside, just to say we are hunters, this is a hunter, this is a black face, a brown face, a white right. face of a hunter right. for the outside, I'm all on board with that. I don't I think it's all see, about that. Like, yeah. Like yeah. cuz cuz it's easy to strip away like they they're, they're I think it's all about that identifying, look at all these different faces. One of them, you know, look at this second grade teacher, like look at this, you know, attorney, look at this uh, triathlete, look at these people, you know, from, from an economic standpoint, from a race standpoint, from an age standpoint, from a cultural heritage standpoint, they're all like three dimensionally different. You got this matrix of humanity and they're all doing this thing. And there are some of those people, because of they fit in a slot, the anti-hunters would never dare touch and take that thing away, take hunting away from mm-hmm. them. But we're all in this big matrix three-dimensionally, and we're all human. And so if you're not going to take it away from that group, like you're not taking away from any of yeah, us because we're all human. Right. And that's the thing is I like to me, I want to boil it down. And and the stories, like the story that you just told, it's a lot harder to take away food security. When that's the story, mm-hmm. say, okay, well, so if we're not going to take it away there, why do we want to take it away from the Idahoans or, you know, why, why would, why would we take it away from anybody? So we're not going to take food security away. We're not going to take away Tradition. hunting opportunity. No. We're not going to take the traditions away. We are going to make sure it's sustainable and that's it. It's like, a story among many stories. Mm-hmm. And they all need to be told. Yes, and yeah. I and, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. And and strategically in, in the public eye, you just have to recognize what catches and what doesn't. Right. Um, and it's I kind think of an ugly truth. Stories that do and mm-hmm. don't. And sure, I want to take advantage of that. I'm not losing any integrity. We're not lying. We're actually showing, I think, a story that many stories that that haven't been told, mm-hmm. and just the way that the current state of things works, that story is going to take a little more effect. It's going to, it's going to anchor itself in a little more. Um, and I'm fine with that, recognizing that strategy. And, but you know, we're all hunters and we all have a separate That's, story. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you look at, you look at why I started my podcast, if you get on my website, or if you look, I think it's on iTunes and carbon. When you look at what the summary of the podcast, Right. Mm-hmm. That is the greatest thing about what we do is the people I'll do. I'll have Mike on Joe on Chris on to talk about elk tactics. Right. Um, because I'm obsessed with freaking elk. But at the end of the day, the reason that I started this 
because the greatest thing that I found in it was the diversity in people that shared yeah. a higher value set, respect for life, respect for landscape. The increase to your respect, just forget the life portion of it. The respect right. that I have now for the landscape that I just thought was a Hollywood sign grew 10,000 fold because of my participation and partaking in the circle of life, getting blood on my hands and killing an animal that people don't understand that, but that's why I started this, right? So if we can highlight that, man, it's, it's like a home run. And that was one of the things like I toil with, I'm sorry, I'm ranting. Uh, I told with, because if I don't feel like I'm making an impact with this podcast, I just kind of fall back on it. And I'm like, man, I feel like I'm kind of losing the fire, you know? And, and, and maybe that's just me being my own worst critic or thinking, you know, how, how can I reach more people? And it, and it's not about our fucking echo chamber as hunters. And this is why I love what you guys are saying right now. It fired me up. It's not about the echo chamber as hunters. It's more about reaching everyone else to spread the diversity, to spread right. the values and to show people that this is, this is a really powerful undertaking. And I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know. I had the conversation with my wife and I think she's been on, she was on somebody's podcast or on one with me, something. And she said it for, I mean, I fought with, and I didn't fight with her, but I was like begging her for years and years and years and years to get out in the woods. She just didn't get it. She goes, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. She said it straight up. Like I used to think it was barbaric. I never, but she grew up pretty much in the same areas as me. She had no understanding yeah. that it was there. And now yeah. she's my, she goes out and calls elk for me. She's the one That's driving awesome. down the road and she's like, oh, elk here sending me pictures. You know, she saw a wolf today, by the way, laying on the roadside uh, <laughs> off the 82 dead. So pretty interesting, man. I, I do agree with that. I just, I just hope that we don't see any type of divisiveness come out of that. Um, and there's yeah, things that it's happen. Delicate. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's, you know, it can be delicate. I had a guy a couple days ago, he just messaged me. He's like, um, he's like, Hey man, I love what you're saying about the diversity in the community. Cause it's not, you know, because the antis come out and he said it to me, the antis come out and they talk about hunters. Like it's just a bunch of white dudes. He's like, I'm, I'm, you know, my family's from Mexico and where we're from and hunting is a huge part of our family tradition mm -hmm. and what we do. It's tremendous. And I said, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a sense it's, it's sensitive. He's like, it shouldn't be. He's like, F that, like, it shouldn't be sensitive. You know, there's, there's California hunting community. You got every, every international flavor there is. Yeah. If, um, you, if you go up to D six opening week, yeah. just North of strawberry, you, mm -hmm. your mind would be blown when you talk yeah. about Hispanic hunters. So I had a couple guys that worked for me years back and they're like, boss, you got to come hunt with us. You got to come up here, hunt with us, hunt with us, hunt with us. I'm like, yeah, I usually don't rifle hunt. I'll oh, just come with us. Okay. I started going. I was, I was floored. I'm like, okay, I got two, you know, two laborers that want me to go. I'm going with them. We go up there. And I kid you not, I mean, 350 people deep, <laughs> wall tents, as far as you could see in this campground, I mean, butted up against each other. Yeah. Full families, the wife, yeah. the two, three kids, the cousin, the aunt, the uncle. 
it was probably, I mean, it was a bit much for me because that's my solitude time, but right. to see it and, and have that open my eyes and go, Holy crap. I had no idea. I absolutely. Yeah. And it was just, it was, it was some of the most memorable times, not even in the woods, but just in the camp going home. And I tell you what, the other fuckers can drink some beer and tequila, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think every hunting camp can oh, put away some beer and tequila. <laughs> not, no, not like this one. I mean, to so, this day, yeah, no, it's, I think about uh, it's, those I mean, camps. it's a diverse, it's a very diverse community and it's, um, and, and it should be, it should be, you know, so heralded out as such and supported as such. And, um, the, the antis do these things intentionally. Like there is nothing that happens that comes out of HSUS or center for CBD and it is all focus grouped. It is tested. It is, it's proven those headlines (laughs) and those strat, it is all strategy and they, they don't care what the data says. They'll make a, they'll have five bullet points that, you know, decades of data will refute. They'll just say, this is what our biologists say. And they'll make up, they'll just make it up. What, and they, they, and that's where it's super frustrating because they will lie. And they only have often have like one track, you know, one, they have one talk track. And I think what works is hunters come in and we'll all like, we could have 30 different viewpoints and they all, you know, we all, we can all share from the heart. Um, and it becomes expressed as a value set, which is, which is really, you know, I think that's the key and that's the key that outside of our community that people need, that they, they don't know. Yeah. Right. They, they don't, we have, they haven't, they don't, how would they know unless we're sharing it with them? Right. Well, and, and, you know, that, that's the part, that's the hard part. And, and, and I'm sorry, I'm going to, I think I want to upset Mike. I'm going to try to at least. Cause I'm going to go back to the social media part of it when you say the value set. Right. Yeah. And, and okay. You can, it's set. I, I feel so freaking petty because you said, focus on the good. I feel petty about bringing this up, but if we're focusing on a, on a value set and trying to present that to the outside, um, Charles doesn't have the bladder for a long podcast for the record. <laughs> edit, edit. <laughs> no, no edit. This is going, this is going straight out to the masses, buddy. Um, but if we're, if we're trying to get value set out there and, and grab a hold of those people, it's a lot harder when yeah. our display of it isn't focused on that. Right. And, and right. I'm not saying, and you said it right in my, it's probably, it, it probably is a fringe but I think it's a very delicate deal when we are trying to win people over. I have a hard time with getting around that in my head. I've been toiling with it the whole time since mm-hmm. you said that. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm not going to – I'm going to try and stay away from that. But I have a mm-hmm. hard time with it because of the perception that is garnered from it and the positive outcomes that the opposition get from that as well. It's yeah. really hard for me to, in my head to balance promoting value. But what is, what is, cause, cause what is the, like, what are the top three things? What is the ugliness? What's the treachery? What is the treachery that's so ugly? Cause nobody's putting a word to it. Okay. And which means we're afraid, which means we're afraid to offend that 
those three or four people that do that thing. I'm not afraid. I I don't, what is it? Well, okay. I saw a post. I can't remember the gentleman's deal and he's packing out a mule deer. The mule deer is, um, well, potential. I'm sure it was because it didn't have intestines or anything hanging out. So it's field dress, but he cut it off, uh, clean Uh through at just shy of, the back quarters it's hanging okay. from basically it's head and its antlers on a pack. And now the rest of this thing is dangling around beating the shit out of his back of his knees and his calves as he's packing off the mountain. Now purposeful potentially, do we understand it? I'm sure we do, but how does that affect someone that doesn't understand it? How does that affect someone who has never experienced that? Who for you know, for I'm gonna play devil's advocate and I'm gonna call myself on it. Maybe it was 90 degrees and he was worried about the meat, so he's beating feet off the mountain. But in context of just the post, we he we got it done, time for the pack out and music playing. There's no context there for it looks someone. Re- it sounds to me, it sounds incredibly uncomfortable. Like 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 dude, like right. But but for someone just, who doesn't know, no, that's off and I guess and yeah no i guess it's off it was i guess was it was it gory is that the issue like no it wasn't gory but but what i'm looking at it from is someone who doesn't get it or the use and the portrayal of these barbaric hunters by a non-hunter right it's not as simple as our cork board or i have a private page so this is probably not going to be seen this is a public page. This shit is out for the masses, right? Yeah. And it just and 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 maybe it's a one off. Maybe I'm off base, but I think it's a detriment to us, especially with the fight we're in. And if we want to expose everything good about, it, not to say that this guy isn't a stand up stellar human being with a right. value set that aligns with mine, I think we need to be more conscientious of how it affects us across our demographic. Yeah. I don't know exactly what you're talking about because I had to go pee and I just came back with some wild boar sausage or something. Nice. But I don't help me out here. I don't know if that's what the issue is. And I think sometimes us as hunters, we look at these things and say, Ooh, that wasn't telling the whole story. And that's why we're getting this pushback. Because the people who are vehemently anti-hunting are going to be that not way because regardless. they saw. It's not because they saw a pack out or a hunt that was too gory or something. There's no. My point is, there's nothing I can do that's going to change ninety nine percent of their minds. The anti-hunters. Because the anti-hunters. Because they think that animals are sentient beings. They think that humans aren't our space aliens. necessarily a part of nature. <laughs> right. They say things like, the animals were here first. And we're encroaching on their land, habitat, whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're going to change those people's minds. But it's not those people. It's the people that use it. But if we are... They use it to then 
feed sentiments yeah, elsewhere. Yes. Yeah, but we're not using any of our messages to feed sentiment as, elsewhere. Right. And I think we could far outweigh them. I mean, number one, look at how popular nature is metal. That that uh, Instagram it's page. It's super popular and it's nature being nature. Right. Hold on a second. Aren't humans a part of nature? Not in, in most instances, people don't even realize it. <laughs> but that's and that's where so we need to claim the that's, dialogue. That's, like, that's I think we can clean that up. Yeah, exactly. We can we can insert ourselves into that. Um, we just need to get people to pause to like think. Like wait a yeah. second. Like Charles, like Charles, she's like when people say, you know, let's save the whales, let's save, let's save the wolves. Save the wolves. Okay. I I, I saw the end of the movie and they all die anyways. Like that's kind of that's kind of harsh. That's kind of harsh, right? Nobody's saving any wolves. All of the wolves on the landscape today will be dead 20 years from now. No wolves have been saved. No deer have been saved. You know, so the question is, is are, do we have sustainable ecosystems that are healthy? And when they're suing to save an animal, they're not contributing anything to sustainable ecosystems. They're not contributing to habitat. They're not contributing to wildlife, you know, to management. And so I think, like, they're all they're all going to die. <laughs> <I> <laughs> well, mean, that's like, part of our that but, should be but, part of our messaging but, in the in the but, big but, picture. But when we go out, like, we're not going out and trying to kill. We're not killing. We don't kill them all. We we intentionally manage this system so that you can't kill them all. It's not like the system is set up by our intent to not work that way we like that's exactly the opposite of what we want to see and what we how we've structured this and how we would even allow it to to exist um as as a hunting community look at and that so i think oops sorry man. i thought you were done i just think one of the things that we never challenge them hsus circulated the video of a couple dudes up in alaska they killed a mother a sow and two cubs in the den it's ugly. It's an ugly <laughs> depiction of humanity, right? Um, it's it's just not a it's not a good it's not a good look by any stretch. But Hunter, nobody, and at the time it was illegal, and they were prosecuted as they should be because poaching and illegal activity in our community should be prosecuted. But nobody asks why is that activity legal now? Why was why is that activity even a thing? And it goes back to because before we were all here, you know, go back thousands of years, for natives, they viewed that as like the most precise method of population management of the predators. Yeah, actually, there, there was, was there was ethical. Yeah, it was ethical. Yeah. It was purposeful. It was laser focused. And they didn't disrupt the other adult, like the adult community of like, like if it was wolves, they didn't disrupt the, the mated pair. They'd go in and take the cut, take the, take X number of, oh, there's seven in the litter. We're going to take three out for the purpose. And so now we can still disagree or agree. Like, is that a good thing? Do we want to do that now? But after you, you know, the, the anti-hunters want hysterics. Ah, right. They want that. Let's you know, look at look at why why was this being done, and so like you know the the coyote. I have a I, I have a challenge. You know I kind of go back and forth on like the whole thing about a you know coyote killing contest. 
what's the difference at the end of the day if there's a contest to kill the biggest predator when there's if there's a purpose to coyote hunting if there is a purpose which is what conservation is about there has to be a purpose if there's a purpose to it what's the difference between five people going out independently and each hunting calling in and killing two coyotes versus 10 people getting together with a contest one not getting it two of them not getting anything Three of them getting two, one of them getting three. Like, what? What's the difference? There, in in the our end. in our context, nothing. But if you right. stack and, those twenty three bodies up and stand behind them smiling, then the context I, changes in the wrong hands. I get that. I get that. But if we are having our dialogue more often outside of our community, we can do better to control the context. Like, Agreed. Like, and if we if we get pushed back on our heels, like if somebody says, "Oh, this is terrible," I would ask them why. Mm-hmm. Why is it terrible? Like, instead of just getting defensive, oh, we can't do that. It's like you've you've said this is terrible. I'd like to ask you why do you think it's terrible? Do you, and then and then like have the dialogue. We I think we quickly get defensive and run away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I too would often. Agree. Yeah, or we quickly get defensive and hide behind. Well, it's for the meat, or like we always have this excuse. Well, it's this, or well, it's that. And well, first of all, like, is it a human nature? Is it human nature to do this? Yes, we can say, yeah, that's ugly. Like, yeah, that, we can say if an anti hunter or somebody that's a non hunter they see that and they're like, oh, this is terrible. I hate you. It's like, yeah, I don't like that picture either. I don't like that picture either. That's an ugly picture. I also don't go into slaughterhouses. Like mm-hmm. I don't go like I eat meat, but I don't choose to go look at slaughterhouse pictures because that's an ugly picture too. Have you we ever can been acknowledge in, that it's ugly. Like I, we can I, say, yeah, that's a that's I've ugly. Seen, but I've there's seen purpose. A slaughterhouse. I've been in a slaughterhouse. And yeah, I've watched pigs get slaughtered, and I would <laughs> much rather be out on the mountain <laughs> doing that ish myself. I so, bet you know what I mean. I mean, it is you want to talk about grotesque, but there's the disconnect, right? Um, right. When, when people are walking and it's so, so freaking cliche when you go to the go to the freezer section and you pull out the, the cellophane and foam wrapped meat. Right. There's no connection there. And and I think, mm-hmm. yes, voicing this and showing the connection and, and making that connection there and expressing the values and sharing the stories. That's that is a long, arduous road. It is for, you know, if it's Mike Guy and Charles, holy hell, how do you reach it? Right. And that's a little it, bit of it a frustration. Is, but it's, and, but and it's, it's not you, me, it's not the three of us. It's everybody, instead of just putting it up in their own, if they're in their hunting page, mm-hmm. is sharing it into their, their face. It's, it's sharing it. You know, one of the, one of the guys is really active kind of in the wait. Some of you knows more about this than me in California is like, Hey, the top three things that non hunters relate to is food. So cook for them, share, share the food while you're having the food, share the stories. I guess my point of it is that when somebody, if somebody posts up a big, a picture of like a stack of dead coyotes, first of all, I'm not going to like it. Like I'm not going to add oxygen to that. And so I'm not going to chastise them about it. I'm not going to like freak out and be like, Oh, this is terrible. This is, this is, this is hurting us. I think it's important that we understand at the end of the day, 
if there's a purpose to that hunt, focus on the purpose. But should we if somebody be able challenges to- us, if somebody challenges us on it, ask them why do you not like it, and then maybe even say, yeah, I don't like it either. I don't like that picture. I understand why coyote hunting happens. That's not my favorite picture. I understand why they use a steel bolt to kill the cattle in the slaughterhouse. I don't like that picture either, but I still buy beef. Right. But isn't that the conversation that we need to have? If we can have it with someone that is non or anti, we should be able to have it amongst ourselves. Yeah. I just don't think we're, I don't think we're shit in the bed by, by those things being out there. I don't think that is, I don't think that's where we need to invest our time. I think we need to invest our time on the dialogue that levels people's mindsets about just hunting in general. Yeah, we, we, I don't, the challenge is how come when I personally talk to somebody or meet somebody who isn't a hunter or a neighbor and, oh, how you doing? What do you guys do? Or they come into my house and they're like, is this a wildlife museum? (laughs) Did you kill all those animals? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then they're like, oh, wow, you were a really cool dude. Now I'm interested because you don't seem like a psychopath. And I'm like, yeah, come out, check out this meat. You want to try some of this bear jerky I got here? And they're like, what? They're like, really? It's good? And you just start this. So what I'm saying is I've never had anybody that has continued to feel, if anybody felt ill about me personally, has continued to feel that way about me. And they know that I'm a hunter now because they know me personally. And they know who I am. So I think the challenge is how do I get my story out and your story out and this guy's story out and this guy's story out in a personal way? Yeah, things die. And yeah, there's blood. But you can be okay with that because you understand that. You understand that whatever your religious belief or non-religious belief is, this is who we are. You know, it's 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 just not that it's not that complicated. But I, I honestly think we make it complicated by the infighting that happens within the hunting community and literally the cowering and the hiding that of being the, engaged. That's the biggest. Yeah. We're we we're like afraid of our message. We're afraid it's almost like we're wrong. We're like, well, we have pretty much the best available science. Um, I don't know what other science is out there, but we have excellent data. We have excellent science. We have our human stories. We have the obvious benefits of food, the obvious benefits of, oh, wow, this is natural food uh, for the most part, you know, compared to the stories we know about, you know, farm or not farm raised, but, you know, uh, whatever. Factory farms. Factory factory farms. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. So here's what we're doing, but yet we're like, yeah, I'm afraid they put that message out there. It's like we have a, a the ultimate. You know what I mean? We're on, we're sitting on a gold mine, but we're afraid to dig into it. Right, own worst yeah. enemy. Yeah, so, like it's it's not it's not that hard. We just got to start attempting to try this message. It you know it's like it's just sort of against our. I, I did it for years, it's, it's, man. It's like a it's like a great comedy. Yeah, I <laughs> did it for years. We are the ones with the with the answers, but because of our personalities and because we're kind of insular and everything, 
It's 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 kind of a comedy, really. It's like a Shakespearean comedy. Well, <laughs> and uh, and I'll say that like Wendy Keefover stands up in front of the Fish and Game Commission, California, and says that we're trophy hunters. And and one of the commissioners asked her, "What's a trophy hunter?" Like you keep saying this word, you keep. It was a beautiful moment. What's a trophy hunter? And she literally said that a trophy hunter is anybody that takes a picture of an animal. And right. so, so that now, becomes now, a trophy at now, that point. It becomes a trophy at that point. Now, <laughs> now we go to her Facebook page. She's got a trophy of her wife. She's got a trophy of her plate of food. She's got, a tr- she's got pictures of everything. We all do. We all have pictures of everything in our lives, right? So is that plate of food now my trophy plate? Is, you know, my kid, is that, is it, is it just about the gram that I took a picture of my kid? Like, and so intellectually that statement doesn't hold, so why would they put it out there? Why would they hammer that home? And I think there's two reasons. Actually, I'll start with one. I don't know if there's a second. They would hammer that home, a statement that is intellectually void and doesn't work because they know we're listening. Well, they, actually, there are two reasons. They know we're listening and they want us to be shamed into not sharing our stories. They want us to think that the rest of the public doesn't want to see our stories by them saying that. So we're like, Oh, I'm, so I'm going to hold back. And if I'm not sharing my stories and you're not sharing your stories and Charles and Joe Rogan's not sharing his stories, Cameron Haynes not sharing his stories, then guess what happens in the, in the common, in the, in the mainstream, in right. the, in the public square, nobody's a hunter. Nobody knows a hunter. So you, you, you've stopped normalizing hunting. And they also say it to then create a picture in the mind of the non hunter that we have a value set that is vacant. It's just for the gram. And, and intellectually, we know that's BS. Nobody just take, nobody, nobody spends the time and money needed to do this just for the gram. So when we start saying, don't put our stories out there, we're actually walking ourselves back into that closet that the anti-hunters want to put us into. Or not. Hmm. I don't think we're saying don't tell our story. I, I think there is a part of the story that's sometimes best not displayed, but absolutely tell the story. So, Let's do good gripping grins. But but me taking a picture, me doing a gripping grin does not vacate any element of the value of the hunt. No, not at all. Look at I, – so I, I, I sent you guys a message in our little group thing there. I sent you that post. I went and found it. Um, as we were going there, take a look at that. I'm gonna pause this for a second because I know. Oh, Instagram. Yeah, look at it while I I'm gonna turn uh, the. In. So looking at that post in our context, I can come up with ten different reasons for him right. to do that. The one I can't come up with is why the hell would you put that out there? And maybe that's just you know me being me and me and having my view on it, but. That's like, dude, that that yeah. is fuel. That's the oxygen you were talking about not putting on the fire. And then if what's you- interesting is it's been seen God, seven thousand times and liked, you know, three hundred and seven and eleven <laughs> comments. Probably a lot of them are are it's like the worst. are not, not positive. Yeah, it's like the worst display of um 
It's just, God, there's way easier ways to do it. <laughs> right. That looks insane. But also, that is a massive coos deer. Yeah. But I mean, if you look at, if I mean, you go back and look yeah. at some of the other posts. That's a coos deer. Yeah, it's a big, you know, wow. and like I said, I, you know, I could come up with 10 different reasons why the guy might have done it. It could have been hot if it's coos and he's in Arizona. Shit, it might have been 89 degrees and he's boogieing out. I, but, I guess he did give some reasons. Right. He did give reasons. But but those reasons will not be displayed if that is used for oxygen or fuel for the fire. Um, yeah. Is, is kind of the issue I have. And, and you know, again, maybe that's my take on it. I just know from, from my stance, I'm never going to – I shouldn't say never. I, my effort is in not playing any detrimental role to Charles and Mike – and yeah. what they value in hunting. And that's how I see those things. Um, and and yeah. I, I can't I can't take the stance of F them. I'm going to do what I want to do. This is what I do. Because it's a detriment to the longevity of something that we're all passionate about. And it just, I, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying my damnedest in this conversation yeah. to, to think myself through that. I just... For me, my value set, that's not something I want to show. It's not something I want to display. I don't want that as a representation of me. And it is not yeah, a representation right. of me. And that's fine. And it's going to be hard to control anybody oh, else. Absolutely. But the more we we normalize hunting and we get out, because most of the community, um, I think, can put out good content mm -hmm. and can share a good message. So the more of that that we do, the more it's normalized. There's always outliers. There's outliers and everything. And most humans, they understand that. Most humans aren't the French. We're, we're still trying to figure out how to beat the French here, which is what drives me crazy. Right. Like, really? We think it's that hard to beat these nutballs? They're insane. They, they look at animals like they're sentient beings and they have all these emotions and, oh, yeah, I got news for you. That adult male bear right there is just going to go eat all those cubs because it wants to mate with the female again. That's, you know, infanticide, whatever. That's what they actually do, you know, but you want to make them into some sort of Disney character or whatever. It's I don't think our challenge is actually that hard. It's just about We've let them take over. We've let them take the narrative. Right. We've let them control the airwaves. And we're, we're scared. We're scared to do it. You know, there's, there's all kinds of actors out there and um, execs who are kind of like, Ooh, they, talk, they talk down low about hunting. And it's like, how strange is that? We right. as a human race are here because of hunting throughout all of human history. Mm -hmm. But what happened in the last 30 years? What is this that took over where we can't, be this anymore right disconnect it's very comfort, strange but yet ease. we still eat meat yeah we still we still eat meat we still we still love watching um we like watching other predators we we respect that like oh yeah they can they can go tear the asshole out of an elk and eat it for you know 35 minutes before the damn thing dies you know, literally eating it alive, and we're like, "Oh well, that's just nature." Well, that, and well, I think you know, aren't we, humans nature. Well, <laughs> right, again, well we talked about that earlier. Yeah, right. We're yeah. we're so disconnected from it, and and our arrogance as a species 
right? We're, we're far removed that from most people's eyes. We don't need to do that. We're not a part of nature. And then you get into urban centers. Holy hell. It's even worse. Cause like I said, Hollywood sign was just a Hollywood sign on a freaking hill. Sure. The hills didn't mean a goddamn thing. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to say that that's our arrogance that we're above that. But yet, yeah, you know, like you said, somebody else is doing, you know, the killing because we're able to go to the store and get it. You know, that convenience factor there. I had somebody who prof- who stated I, that they're an anti-hunter, like three-fourths of the way through the dialogue. Somebody asked me, like, why'd you kill that bear? They took a they they shared back to me a picture of the bear I got this year. She's like, why'd you kill that bear? I said, uh, a lot of reasons. You know, meat, uh, the process funds conservation. It's a challenge that I'm probably going to fail at most of the time. There's purpose. Like there's a lot of reasons why I killed that bear and, and it didn't go to waste. You know, I worked very hard to make sure it all got home. So I don't understand why you would do that. You know, why you would do something that to nature. I'm like, humans are nature. Humans are part of nature. And I literally, she said something that was, I literally responded to her. I'm like, in what year did humans stop being part of nature? Like, what was it a year or was it an event? Like something happened. Like at what point in time mm-hmm. on the timeline did we stop being a part of nature? And she didn't respond to that. She just asked me another question. <laughs> but the thing is, like, like when people come at us with those things, there's a lot of words that we can have that are very true and factual. We don't have to get upset. Like we can say, Humans are part of nature. We've been, you know, there's a, there was a land bridge at Alaska and people and animals came across it. Like we all did. Um, and I think that's the gap. I think that's the, that's part of us taking back the dialogue around the interaction between humans and animals and take, you know, taking that space back and, and humans are part of nature. We've always been, honey has been part of human history always has been, you know, it's, um, where, where hunting hasn't been part of human history and there isn't a heritage there. It's probably because it was taken away from them. Um, so, you know, I think these are all things that we can say that we can get involved in. The key is that we have to start thinking about it. Like it has to be intentional. We have to start thinking about how do I phrase this? How do I say this to somebody without me losing my cool and coming off as, you know, the, the asshole on the, in the, in the dialogue. And then if somebody like we, the, 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 the San I hunter, I just said, I don't need you to hunt. Like, I'm not trying to convince you to come do this. I'm just, I'm saying that this is an activity that is sustainable. It's healthy for me. It's actually healthy for the, the wildlife and habitat. And so I'm saying, be an anti-hunter that's fine but don't come after don't try to like tell others how they need to live their life um it was it was a fair dialogue but it was interesting like they just she just couldn't wrap her head around how you could kill that animal i said that animal lived probably 12 years in the wild free and it died and you would rather me kill an animal that lived in a cage for two years that was force fed. Right. They're both dying. Like one lived free and, and died, 
you know, and, and, and had that animal lived and died of old age, old age on the landscape, it would have been a miserable death. It wouldn't have died in a couple minutes. It would have died over, you know, hours or days or weeks if it had died in the wild. So I'm like, I don't know. I think <laughs> to me, the animal that had the best life and the best death is the one that lived in the wild and was killed by a hunter. Oh, by far. So, so yeah. the, you know, I, oh, I, I don't want to say, so. I feel like we haven't complained enough, but I want to say I don't hunt for meat, but if I couldn't take the meat, I don't think I would hunt. If that makes any sense. It does. And, like, and, and I think I would be the opposite. I think like I'm not still, going out there being like, I have to hunt because it's just for the meat. That's not right. There's, there's so many things to it. There's, yes. There is competition. There is oh. um, adventure and there is. Like if you had to leave it? Just instincts. I think most of us would be like, hell no, that's yeah, dumb. If I had to like, leave it and like, if I actually. If I have to, I'm going to yeah. go kill this thing. I'm going to leave it. I think then I would feel like, that. Like what's the I'd privilege like, there? Yeah. Like, the, right. <laughs> like that's. Yeah. But to me, not, that's a very incomplete equation. Yeah. But I don't necessarily hunt to eat. That there is a, number one. Number one, I don't have to. Nobody does today. So there, there is that. a there is a primal part of it that yeah. doesn't have a connection to the meat. If that makes sense, right? I, I imagine how that could sound to someone who doesn't get it. But there is definitely a primal aspect of what we do that is irregardless of the meat now would i hunt if the meat wasn't an option again probably not i, I think yeah you know thinking about that but there is i don't want to ignore the primal aspect of it right um sure some yeah. some it's for some of us i i truly believe that it is ingrained in our dna if if i look at what spawned the thought i was probably seven to eight years old fishing lake kachuma and seeing deer and pig on the shore and just being fascinated to where I'd stop fishing and stare at them. And if you were with my uncle and grandpa and you stopped reeling in bluegill, they were asking you what the hell you're doing. <laughs> but that was, that was the spawn of it. So what, you know, as I think about, well, you know, when I talk about it to people and I'm like, you know, what, what started this, there was just something, I can't explain it. It was just something innate in me that drew me and intrigued me at an early age. And, and at that point it didn't have anything to do with hunting it was the fascination with the critter. Like, look at that yeah. thing. And it never yep. left. So I got to believe yeah. that that's just part of me. It's rooted in me somewhere. I don't know why. Right. Um, ancestrally, certainly. Um, but how does that translate across it? So it's a pretty interesting thing. The reason that like the psychology thing I sent you guys, the reason that I found that is because I was asking myself those questions Right. Hmm. Why? Why am I so passionate? Why? Why does this mean so much to me? I was trying to explore that years ago, trying to understand what my obsession was. Right. I'm thinking I got yeah. some kind of 
addictive personality because <laughs> I've done it all. There's worse right? things, right? worse things mean, to be addicted to. In California, we have an opportunity to try everything that we want to try from surfing to bike riding to fishing. Yeah. I mean, it is all there, but nothing has ever struck me like hunting. So it, I started delving there's per- into there's it. purpose. Like skiing is fun, up, down, up, down. Surfing's fun. Hiking's fun. Like backpacking's fun. When you add in the element of finding something and figuring it out like that puzzle, that never ending puzzle, that's like three dimensional and, and, and it never, you're, you'll never solve it. It's a riddle that we never solve completely. Like, because I think that's the part of it. That's, that's so compelling is the, is the purpose is what is the hook and, and there's achievement. Like there is achievement in it and there it's, it's very self gratifying but there's also there's even when we fail, quote you know, yeah. quote fail. Even when we fail, we still have we still have learned something. Like if we're doing it right, every time we go out, even if we fail, we've pulled a piece of experience from that that we can put in our quiver, that we can put in the toolbox that makes us better and more ready for the next time. Not just as a hunter, but as a as a person, as a human yeah. being as well, right? Absolutely. Not just not just the the uh air quote, you know, toolbox, but that, that right. mental toolbox. Um, mm-hmm. and that part mm-hmm. of it is, is a huge draw for me. Um, yeah. So we're almost three hours. What? So what really pisses us off though? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get to that in a second. I just want Mike to fire <laughs> on, on a get couple to it soon. <laughs> so, so let's, let's wrap up this, this wholesome focus on the good conversation that, that Mike insisted uh, that we have. Um, and, and how do we, how do we come together collectively? Right. We, we use the term, I use the term a shit ton hunting community, the root word being commune. Right. How do we do that for a positive outlook and moving the needle in the right direction, a step forward across the demographic? You guys have been working on it every single day for what is this year two, the beginning of year two. So, so you know, beginning of year yeah, two. so yeah. full charge, you know, to see something like we saw in Colorado where there wasn't pitchforks and nooses and everybody's screaming, you know, hang them high, skin them low type shit. How do we collectively come together with the same understanding and start getting this value set shared? Um, Where do we, where do we go? Where do we go? I think we just can, well, fuck man. (laughs) We don't, Um, but not in a three hour answer. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, you know, consider the, you know, two, three minutes. And and try yeah. and parse as much as you can into that two or three minutes to give just to get people thinking, just to get them okay. on the right path. We'll say because yeah, they should have been thinking for the last two hours and fifty three minutes. <laughs> so for my purposes, you know, and for Hal's purposes, it's get involved in each and every one of those issues. And one thing I do struggle with that I I have to get out more because I because people are always emailing me like. Oh, this is for this state, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh, wait. So I didn't reach you. Um, you can cross state border. You can take action on any of these actions. It doesn't, don't limit yourself to what state you're in. So there's that. But that's been a thing of the, that's because 
all of the past was if you saw an issue in a certain state, that was just for those people because the way it was set up. Mm -hmm. And then the way it was set up, you just contact your legislator, which we already went over, which was stupid anyways. So I think people are just kind of trained to think that way, which is terrible. So get involved in all of the issues. If it doesn't say this is only for residents of this state, get involved. Yep. Try it out. Bring, you know, get the numbers up on those actions. It helps. Um, if there is, you know, if there's obviously a commission meeting or something to show up for, show up for that. Um, that has, you're not just on your own. You're, you're, you're adding to another, you know, member of the, whatever you want to call it, the army or something, you know, whatever, but you're, you're, you're adding to the, um, the groundswell, you know, that that's happening. And, um, it's having a tremendous effect. Um, we're growing every day. We're figuring this out literally. I mean, you know, it's like there's a lot of things I tried out last year to see sort of what caught on and what didn't and what people like and what don't. And now starting year two, I'm sort of have an idea of like, all right, well, this thing works and this thing doesn't. And people care about this and people care about that or don't care about that. Um, I'm, just build, you know, like whichever way, kind of whichever way that the flow is going is, is, is where we're putting ourselves. You know, we're, we're, we're not stuck to anything. Um, we're just, uh, I think we're, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to say we're working with the flow, you know, whatever works, that's the direction we're going, whatever area we fit in, that's the direction we're going. I, I feel like we're figuring out sort of our, our identity in the whole hunting industry and where we're going to make the biggest impact. Cause in the end, that's what we want to do. We want to make, you know, the biggest impact, but, but certainly don't be victim to we've already lost or mm. we can't win. That's garbage. I'll just say it again. There's more of us. Think about if we, there was 82 million sportsmen that were actually involved in the issues. Huge. That, I mean, should I yeah. say anything else? You know what I mean? Like right. that's, that's the end. That's, that's our ceiling. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and where are we? <laughs> We're like, we, got, we got ways to get 10,000. You, know? yeah, right. you know what I mean? Maybe 10,000, 82 million is our ceiling. So don't tell me this stuff can't be won. Don't tell me these issues can't be won. We haven't even tried. We haven't even scratched the surface. 10,000 in a year plus the victories. That's that's pretty impressive. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I just, to echo some of what Charles said, you know, cross state lines, we support, if you see an idea that you like or a plot or a campaign that you like, it's cross state lines or cross species. Like, don't just support the elk things. Like, like you know, be part of the community. If you're in the elk community, support the the predator management issues, support the waterfowl, the water for waterfowl issues, you know, and, and, and don't just be reactive to threats, you know, be super reactive to opportunities. This thing in Montana, the, the right to hunt constitutional amendment, we should all get behind that. It's very easy to let it go because there's no threat. We don't feel like it coming at us, but man, if we can lock that up as a community and get that like 
brick laid down there and then see how it goes and go do it somewhere else. That's there so, because of the so threat. pile on. Yeah. So pile on and support. And then my, my thing right now is, you know, I really think, I really think the huge part of the anti-hunting community's strategy, like this whole trophy hunting redefinition thing, it's all focus grouped. It's purely a focus group strategy where they're trying to redefine the language where, where we're going to shrink away and, and do less things that normalize hunting. The last thing that anti-hunters want is for us to share our stories in the non-hunting community and have them say, oh, that's cool. I'm, I'll support that. It's the last thing they want. So the more that we can do to normalize, not recruit, we don't have, with our three thing is not the issue. It's normalize hunting as a human pursuit and management tool for wildlife in the non-hunting community. We will take the air out of the room for the anti-hunters. And that's, you know, I think that is absolutely key. And that can be done as an individual. It can be done as groups. We need our orgs, the legacy orgs to do more of that and support that. And, and we can do that through, you know, I'm going to say, hopefully I won't say hopefully strategically building out a media campaign that does put those 40 different faces of hunters in front of the urban metropolitan urban centers so that people start to realize, Oh, I do know a hunter. I do know more about this. This is close to me. Um, we have to do that. And, and we're going to meet with legislators. Yeah, we're going to hunters are going to start yeah. engaging and meeting with legislators and telling our stories and seeing them face to face so they can get to know us. So then when we want something, they can think, Oh wait, I know these guys. They're not like that. You know what right. I mean? So Build relationships, build relationships and not be afraid of it. That's, you know, it's, it's the same thing. It's the same issue with any human issue. Yeah. Be freaking human. Go talk face to face. Um, it's like me and Chris Rowe, right? Let's full circle, full circle. I don't know what his problem was. I think I understand what his problem was, um, from kind of listening to you guys, but will probably end up agreeing I, once I, we yeah, actually I, are face to face and we actually talk. It's 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 human relationships. That's the basis of all problems. Yeah. And get your tag draw strategy figured out because it's 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 a uh, hunt planning season. Nah, just just <laughs> buy a damn tag and stop toiling over where. Just go hunt. So, exactly. I will say always, always I, get a tag. I will say, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about through this, right? And and not that I have any opposition to Howl or anything, but you know, the questions were there talking about the email. Now, whether or not email strategy works, if if and this is my thought, if I look at over the last few years in politics, where has most of the battleground been? The battleground has been on tech, right? Fucking Twitter on Twitter policies are being written and decided on based on that kind of shit. Right. So, and I never thought about it until this conversation. So yeah, there's absolute value in what we're doing. Do we liken it to that? Maybe not, but I think there is a, a, a change in, in the tide and everything 
Um, and maybe it starts here, right? It's it's a different world. Um, and this is a it's different a piece platform. of artillery, right? It's artillery, and like you either use it or not. And if you don't use it, that's kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. I mean, utilize the, all the tools. The other thing that changed, and this, and we don't bring this up, and this is just a tactical thing. COVID forced all these commission meetings to go remote, mm-hmm. and it used to be really hard for the hunting community to show up in person at these meetings because they're like 300 miles away. We, we all work. They had more, you know, executive director. The Anis had their executive director, their this director, their that director, their community director. They all show up. They're all paid, but they'd show up in like seven, seven people from one anti-org would show up and they're all paid to be there, but that's seven voices and we would have our one or two lobbyists or whatever. COVID shifted that. Like literally when we went to the remote thing, the remote thing enabled us to get on that call for an hour or two during our workday or from 400 miles away or from, you know, we could get on the Washington call from California. We can get on the Montana call from California. We can get on the Colorado call. And so, you know, there's been a leveling of the playing field here to a certain degree due to technology and now most of these meetings are going hybrid you can be there in person but they also they've really they've realized that a to be accessible accessibility equity inclusivity not everybody can drive to this meeting so they're going to maintain the hybrid component which is huge like you don't have to be like you can like you could be anywhere in the world and get on the California Fish and Game Commission meetings. It's a big deal. So that and that changed. That changed. And so it's a real it's a real uh, component that that helps us because we can show up and be real and be authentic and and express these values. Um, and they don't know where we're from. That uh, yeah, I was going to jump on the Gunnison one today for the wolf thing, and then you know work or whatever. But I mean, legitimate, right? I'm not making an excuse, but sort of I am, I guess. But then I saw, oh, it's two towns over in a week. So guess what? I get to show up in person. In my head, that's better than you know being in In, there. uh, What rifle? Yeah, and rifle. Um, It's it's two towns removed, so you know I'm I'm there. You know, and it's it's. That one's pretty easy. I was happy to see it right in in those what is it four different locations because I'm looking at Gunnison. I'm going, damn Gunnison right now. That's almost a four hour drive for me. Um, mm-hmm. And those are it's, it's challenges, but I think there was a point in time where they did that intentionally um, and mm-hmm. made it hard to access. So you know the blue collar guy couldn't get there, and those people that you know are basically make that their nine to five would be you know in front of that committee. Right. So. Right. But boys, I uh, have taken up three hours of your time. I hope it's three hours that you don't wish you had back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, this is good. <laughs> we, we didn't really awesome. get to hear. Uh, we didn't really get to hear Mike go crazy. Um, but that's fine because he wants to keep. I'll tell everything. you what. Any anybody that thinks they're part of the hunting community that's telling us to shut to sit down, shut up, and and hide our stories because there's too much crowding. Say it. Say they it. are the anti they are the anti-hunter they are the that person is the anti-hunter he's talking about matt ranella he's oh did you okay he wants and, to he wants to hoard he doesn't want he doesn't want us hoarding he thinks there's hoarding of of hunting opportunity 
because there's too much information out there. And I'll tell you like what, what human movements have limited information to control people. He wants to, he wants to, he wants information limited because he wants to hoard the property. He wants to hoard his, his, his Nate, his currency is locality. He doesn't want somebody from, you know, three States away to be able to buy their access to a property. Well, with money and money is the most democratizing thing there is. He wants to use currency that nobody else can get. And that's proximity. And I'm like, dude, no way, no way. Information is what democratizes things and money is a level. It might democratizes things too. So he's just, he's, he's just pissed off because other people are, hunting land that he thought he had locked up because he was the buddy down the street. So he just asked us to be on his podcast. So we'll see where that goes. Oh yeah. <laughs> heck yeah. Well, you started it, man. <laughs> God, you. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to no, he's, he's up for, he's always up for good debates and he does, he does open, he opens yeah. the door to yeah. heated debate and and thoughtful conversation, so and, and I'm looking needed. forward to that's needed. I'm, I'm looking forward that. to having that debate with him because I I feel strongly about I, I, I feel mean, strongly about it. I'm I, you know I just I didn't even know that he had any other discussions outside of with Robbie, and uh, you know heard that he was uh, that he had uh, Snyder on, and I listened to that one. I didn't even know the guy had a platform. I didn't even know he had a podcast. Yeah. So I'm pretty intrigued. Um, I'm going to have to listen to a couple of them. Um, yeah. I mean, he has he has some decent points. I don't know if it's his messaging or the delivery or it's just some of it to me is a little batshit crazy. Um, yeah, I think he has no filter. So he doesn't necessarily know what he's saying all the time. He's just sort of mad about something and he just lets it out. Right. And it comes out not always in the best way. Yes. I don't know. I, I appreciate him. I love the Aaron Snyder. I love that one because I was like, oh, these two guys, they're getting along though. They're but, debating, but, but they're getting along. That's and- the nice part, right? Is you can have a dialogue. Maybe it's difficult for one side, not the other. Um, yeah. But to have those dialogues. And I mean, you know, is it a head switch for one or the other? Maybe not. But it's good for people to hear it. You know, I think sure. it's uh and if not anything else, it's freaking entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with, with Snyder's because you get to hear Snyderisms and there's always good stuff in there. But yeah. All right, boys. Well, I appreciate the time. Um, Charles, always a pleasure. Mike, absolute pleasure finally getting to sit Thank down you. with you and meet you, man. Um, yeah. Good if there's time. Anything I could do to help you guys, you know, know that I'm here. Um, and then everybody that's listening as. Per usual, since Charles has started, you go to the show notes and you can click on the link. It'll take you right over to howl.org and you can make your decisions there. Look at the action items and partake in preserving, saving, conserving, um, protecting this for the future, however you look at it. So follow those show notes to Howl. Thank you. Thanks, guy. <laughs>